sorry. That's <laughs> definitely getting cut. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSense, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSense, Jeremy Scott. Hello, that's me. <laughs> that's me! That's you! <laughs> <laughs> from Music Video Sense, Barrett Share. Hey, it's me! And joining us again, again. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we are glad to have today Aaron Dicer Yay! in the room. Hidely ho, Cinerinos. Yes. Cinerinos. Coming here because it, it, it everything makes sense. We're doing it. Uh, it's New Hampshire, so that's right. you know a lot about New Hampshire. <laughs> all, the, all the times. That's right. It's oh, bring in the heavy, the heavy machinery. For... Oh, my God. There's some times where it's a Friday afternoon, and I'm like, you know what? It's been a while since I've been to New Hampshire, and I just charter a flight. Ah, <laughs> uh, New Hampshire. Delaware's hat. Yeah. <laughs> is this is this where uh, Frank is from? No, Frank's in Delaware. <laughs> Uh, see, that's what I, that's what I always do. But my These new, new England states is, are the same. That's my thing. My new favorite game is fucking up the general geography of of the New England area, which apparently Delaware is vehemently not a part of uh, the New England area, even though they are. I was going to say that's see, complete nonsense. <laughs> they are. When we did Delaware, I'm pretty sure we mentioned that Frank was there, and then I totally forgot that. Oh, that's it's a Frank is easy to forget. Actually, that's not fair. <laughs> not too mean to Frank. We love Frank. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go get him, Frank. I like Frank. TV's Frank. TV's Frank from TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we're going on our road trip to New Hampshire. Yeah. So Shotgun. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all. The road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. New Hampshire. We'll start off with, oh, here's a, here's a sunny one. <laughs> <laughs> Affliction. In a couple of them in a row, yeah. Oh, geez. I haven't, I haven't seen it in forever, but it's a good movie. It's a really good movie, mm-hmm. right? Is this the yeah. Sissy Spacek one? No, this one is Nick Nolte and James Coburn. Yeah, and uh, it's got a really good cast. Nick Nolte, yes, uh, Sissy Spacek is in it. James Coburn, Willem Dafoe plays the sheriff, I believe, in that. Mm. Really, really good ensemble cast. Like yeah. They're all working together. The, the relationship between Nolte and Coburn mm-hmm. is just... Yeah. Fucked. It's up. devastating. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the affliction here, I don't, is it, is it a spoiler to say it's alcohol? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, the affliction here is alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing. Like, both, not only him, but not only Coburn, but Nolte, mm-hmm. who's playing his son. That's like, Coburn is the older, yeah. Coburn is yeah. the father and Nolte's the son. Yeah. Cause it doesn't seem like there's that much, not age much of a, not much between of a gap. Those two guys, yeah. You know? But, uh, but yeah, this is a Paul Schrader directed movie. Uh, maybe the last thing Paul Schrader is really known for, maybe. I don't know. Did he do the canyons? Oh, I don't know. I don't think he did the canyons. You're forgetting about his time as a music leader on David Letterman. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. The music leader. Um, bringing out the dead was uh oh bringing out the dead he so he wrote that right he wrote that and scorsese directed bringing out oh that's right yeah he wrote that and, oh he did autofocus that was the other one god he oh, did do the canyons in that's fact. uh greg kinnear yeah. right 
Yeah. No, what a movie. Bob Crane. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah, not fun at all. Well, that's that's Paul Schrader's MO. He's not fun. Like, everything that he writes is like Taxi Driver. and We're totally missing First Reformed, which came out this year, right? Like, that's Paul Schrader. Is Is it really? Am am I wrong about that? Ethan Hawke, First Reformed? I I, I didn't see it. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, he wrote and directed that. Oh, it's so good. It's no Logan, though. Okay. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> I heard that that's really good, too. You, it, you really like it? I really like it. Yeah. yeah, I've heard it's great. Yeah, written and directed by, and uh, it's got a 7.2 on the uh, IMDb. Nice. Yeah, so I will it, tell so you it looks though, like people agree with you. Ethan Hawke's PSI <laughs> went from a 7.2 to a 7.0 when he started dogging on Logan. I'm just saying. <laughs> I like the guy. All his movies are He wasn't really dogging on Logan. He was just... He was, he was talking saying on it's comic o- book movies in he's general. He's saying comic book movies are overrated, I think, is what he was trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, although by implying they're not really art. I yes, know, exactly. I know, and that's, exactly. that's, he doesn't need to go there, I man. Know, my point. That's why I dropped him two points on his PSI rating, yeah. which is, that's a naked and afraid thing, but I'm using it for like, <laughs> Jeremy's liking a celebrity. You're talking about like air pressures. No, like it's that. like personality, substantial, so I'll, I'll make something up later. Oh, you yeah. know what it is. <laughs> no, I know what it is on the exactly show. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's like personal survival rating or uh, PSR or whatever. Index, I think. Index, yeah. yeah. Okay. Index. Well, it's good to see that Paul Schrader, I need to see First Reformed. It's good to see that he is, he's sort of back, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, a lot of screen, he's known for a lot of like just gritty screenplays like Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. He did the Cat People as well. We oh, talked yeah, about Cat right. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, a Cat People. Uh, but Affliction is, is a really good movie. I think, uh, did uh, Coburn win the Coburn Oscar? won. Nolte yeah. was nominated, did not win. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe Sissy Spacek was, was in the running if, if not it's the a Oscars. very It's a big performance movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but not to be confused with Affliction, which is the unauthorized Ben Affleck. That's, vibe. that's correct. <laughs> that's correct you know what when when he does make another comeback that's what we're going to call it the yeah, afflection the afflection yeah it's not the it's not the afflecazance <laughs> like what everybody wants to do it's the, it's, <laughs> it's the afflection um on on onward to something just as good as affliction click the adam sandler movie Duh. where the magic remote have you seen it yes <laughs> you've seen this right? oh yes i oh, saw yes. at least half of it this is bruce almighty with a remote control right and kind of like mm. uh the it's a wonderful life right yeah it's more of a family version of that because he's he's fast forwarding the boring parts of his his family life because mm-hmm. He, he wants to, he, he's some sort of like architect or something like that, like a fast moving, fast paced executive. And he wants to get to the fun parts. Yeah. And stuff but like he, that. In, isn't there a scene in there where he's like making boobs bigger and stuff like that with the remote control? Or, yeah. I think there is. Doesn't yeah, he do something right. like that? And then, right. and then uh, Christopher Walken is the Morgan Freeman in this, except he's playing the devil. He's death. This. He's death. Yeah. 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 yeah he's death. In and this. this is the first. I think the first Christopher Walken, because this was 2006, mm-hmm. I believe. This is the first Christopher Walken one that I saw him just going full Walken. Yeah. Like, just abandoning he's, any I think there's even reality. a part where he's like, I'm the angel of death. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Whatever his name is, uh, uh, who, whatever uh, Sandler's name is, he's like, I'm the angel of death, Adam. You know? <laughs> and uh, and it, it comes in some weird, like, reveal towards the end. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, click. Uh, it's not a. It's not a great movie. No, you know, I thought it was. I thought it was as fun as like a, a decent. There's going to be a weird trend here of me. Oh my Kind of defending oh, some really? of the Adam Sandler movies on this list. Does he shoot a bunch of these in New, New Hampshire? Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's from there. Maybe he's like owns. Maybe he owns the state. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale's on this too. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. his wife. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not. 
it's not good, but Christopher Walken is fun because he's just going for it like mm-hmm. all crazy. And it's got an interesting story. And he has to learn that the little dull moments are where family yep. really Oh, Sean Astin is in this. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Sean Astin, I think, in pretty decent shape. Yeah. He hasn't gone... Well, he suddenly had like a sort of a... a he was kind of like Rob Schneider there for a while, or he's like in all these Adam Sandler movies. Oh, yeah. Know? And Steve Buscemi. Like, cause he oh, was yeah, in, yeah, uh, yeah. cause, uh, uh, Sean Aston was also in 50 First Dates. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then there's another Sandler movie called Eight Crazy Nights. I did, I saw this too. This, okay. This movie, this, this movie sucks. Yeah. I was about to say, uh, the other Adam Sandler <laughs> it's movies not, on it's this not thing. This one. You're going to, you're going to defend this shit. <laughs> no, this this was sucks. an animated movie. It came out around Thanksgiving uh-huh. and, and like, uh, and it's obviously about Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I saw this fucking movie, man. That uh, certain movies make you just remember certain, like, like, I think uh, Regal always did this thing with Thanksgiving. The the night before Thanksgiving and the night before Christmas, they would always close early. Mm. So it would be like 8 o'clock would be when you'd get out and everything. But still, certain like I'd still have to watch movies because we were always getting stuff coming out. So like you get to finally you get to watch something at like 8 finally instead of like <laughs> midnight and everything. And this was one of those movies. But it still felt like, you know, it always feels like 2 o'clock in the morning even after you do all that. But yeah, I didn't like Eight Crazy Nights oh at all. Oh my god! Do you I remember do, this? I like the idea. I've always admired Sandler for putting his faith out there as much as he has, mm-hmm. and trying to. I think there are probably millions of kids out there who deserve a Hanukkah animated, you know, yeah. holiday movie. I just wish he hadn't made a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> no it's kidding, almost right? unbearable. It's almost like somebody heard the Hanukkah song and said. Write us an animated mm-hmm. script. Well, yeah, it was it was Sandler, and twelve years <laughs> later, <laughs> yeah. it was turned in, and that's what they anyway. And I he don't. he voices like two or three characters in this, I think. Oh, he's a regular Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, totally. That's what they were saying when it came out. Yes, his whole career they've been saying <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Um, and then uh, the Devil and Daniel Webster. I never saw this. Uh, Alec Nin- Baldwin, nineteen forty-one. No, this is uh the the old one. Yeah, nineteen forty-one somehow i've seen this yeah and it's it's really good mm-hmm. uh it's it's it's, it's based on a tale. play right yeah, well yeah it is um which itself is a derivative of the faust okay legend um where the the devil makes a bargain with uh, a guy walking down the road that's down on his luck and he says you know i'll uh i'll uh i'll take your deal and uh things start going well for him and stuff mm-hmm. like that and then it's like up. Homer and the Donut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is this how is this how he got inspiration to write the dictionary? Hey oh <laughs> exactly. One of those things that came the good like things a, that like came like I out can't of put all the words to paper. I need <laughs> I need to sell my soul to the devil. The dictionary is made by the devil. Yeah, exactly. Um I think they did actually do a Simpsons though uh, uh, based on this, didn't they? They did a um it was a Halloween episode. A well, yeah, like segment. Bart sells his soul to the it's devil Bart, for like yeah. a Formula 1 car or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh and so then there's a I think no. The home, well, actually, no. Is that the same episode? Might Homer, be the same. It one. is the one. Homer sells the soul for the donut, <laughs> and then like, and then the, you know they go through all the trial and everything, yeah. and then uh, and then uh, the, by the end of it, uh, we find out that he signed his soul over to Marge long ago. And, uh, that's the one where Lionel so Hutz comes out and it's like it's like a contract is an agreement under the law that is unbreakable, <laughs> which is unbreakable. <laughs> Excuse me, I must use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there you go, eight crazy nights. 
<laughs> how is how's Bruce Willis not in this movie? <laughs> now all the numbers and shit. Oh yeah, that's true. Um yeah, so Devil and Daniel Webster's good, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. that's a fun one. Uh, it's not a fun one, but it's it's a good one. <laughs> uh then we have uh two Jumanjis. Yeah, it's interesting how they set this in in New Hampshire and you can definitely see it in the first one where they're, you know, they're racing around the town and mm. it's a little colonial New England type of of thing. Uh, obviously in Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, they spend more time in the, the actual game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, there's jungles in, in New Hampshire. That's true. Mm, that's uh, <laughs> let's just go to another spot of New Hampshire where there's all those jungles and everything. When when are they going to tell us how the Jumanji board game got from the shores of France back to New Hampshire? Like, well, that was one of the things we send. How did yeah. it get like, turned into a video game from a board game? Well, that's you know. Well, and, well, there was a flash of light. No, for sure. At the end of Jumanji, it's like uh, there, there's people speaking French on a beach, and then and then Joe Schmo, American dude, runs by it uh, another beach. And it's why a, could they not put one scene in there of like, <laughs> hey, it got back, it got shipped back yeah. somehow. I, yeah. That bothers you more than how it goes from board game to video game. No, well, there is a flash of green light where it starts off as a board game correct turns turns into yeah. a video game they at least so attempt at least, to show there's a transition there somehow but what now okay so what about a flash of green light on the beach at normandy and then poof it's in a kid's bedroom then show it to us. yeah that That's fixes fun. it for you <laughs> i mean it fixes that part for it we'd still send it but it would fix it okay right. <laughs> the second one is better than the first one right completely for sure yeah it's miles ahead of the first and then one. not just because the cg is so dated in the first one the first one was kind of hokey at the time well, the first yeah. one remember also the first one is based on this chris van allsberg but this newberry award winning caldecott award winning mm-hmm. uh for illustrations it's like 10 12 maybe 20 pages <laughs> or whatever yeah and and just like the polar express the same dude yeah like it you you take something that's like got a very simple and short story and then you throw robin williams in there oh he's been trapped for years and years and like uh and it's just i don't know there's just um what's missing in that movie or maybe it's just too much in that movie overall well it doesn't know what it wants to be because there are some times where it's really really goofy like the stuff with robin williams and david allen greer when he pulls him over and all that stuff is like slapstick mm-hmm. and then some of it is just like straight up action and some of it is straight up like they're trying to make it dramatic you know mm-hmm. with all this this history between bonnie hunt and him and it's like it just just pick a lane at least for most of it yeah you know? yeah yeah um you know when the the hunter guy gets knocked over in the the shopping center it's uh, more slapstick yeah and it's it's out of place yeah i don't know this was a stretch where robin williams uh had i think he had a few movies in a row that made a hundred million dollars here in the states mm. uh, he was on a real big role jumanji was just a part of that and everything he i think even maybe even flubber may have been one of patch those. adams was patch adams and patch adams might have been jumanji was huge right like it was it, it was a hit it was a it was a i think it went over a hundred million for sure and but then I the don't, one was like a second one's hit, a right? blockbuster yeah um but uh yeah he had a he had a pretty good streak going on there uh yeah jumanji welcome to the jungle is just way better and i, I that was that trip to california uh that yeah. we had took earlier this year and watched it and uh uh i i was i didn't expect to enjoy a movie that much especially coming off of a plane being at like eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> and then then going there and I just happen to have a 10 30 welcome to the jungle boy. all right i'll watch this shit and it was good man i liked it yeah really yeah. really came out of nowhere i think for all of us yeah um, yep. even though chris said it was good i didn't 
I didn't imagine why it was good. Yeah, you know? well, just, I just he, couldn't bring myself to believe him. Uh, I think he that's told the me. case, right? Because this is coming on the heels of Baywatch and uh, Central Intelligence, helicopter even. and Central Intel helicopter, oh, San Andreas. San Andreas yeah. uh, and then yeah, Central Intelligence, and then we're seeing a couple of these in there, and so then this movie comes along, and I'm like, no, I'm done, dude, I'm <laughs> done. And so it kind of feels like the movie when people say, no, it's good, it's like. They expected such a turd that when it's only a little turd, it's, but that wasn't what, that wasn't the case. This movie's genuinely funny, yeah. at least for the first hour, for sure. Isn't mm -hmm. the trick though that it's actually not a rock movie? Like it's not a rock movie. It's, yeah, it's, it's really a, no, a collaborative that's exactly cast. how it works. But he's the rock, but he's not playing the rock. He yeah. actually can pull off one well, of this make, nerdy character. He's well, making fun of his persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, it's not just him. Like it's this team of four people, and the mm -hmm. fact that they're playing different people, and it's actually what gives me hope for sequels. In this is the idea. That they could be the same avatars, but in different ones of them. Like, that could be fun yeah, to see the next be, one where, yeah. you know, The Rock is a different character and Jack Black is a different one, you know, mm -hmm. so. And instead of Nick Jonas, they have to rescue one of the BTS guys. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> J-Hope? I'm just impressed I named an actual band. I wasn't really sure. Oh, man. Um, then we have two versions of Lolita. Ooh. Okay. I, 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 I don't know if I like either version. All right. I, I'm, I, I, the Kubrick version has always seemed to be, first off, way too long. And second off. Uh, it's it's a, it's a difference between drama and comedy for me. It's drama for a long time, then Peter Sellers shows up, and Peter Sellers makes it into a comedy automatically. And it's just hard for me to, and especially in 1962, you couldn't really explore this subject matter very well. I feel like the movie is well be before it could actually be made. Okay, I totally understand that, and I agree with it to a certain point. If they didn't have that intro. That, that showed Peter Sellers' character mm -hmm. uh, where where dude comes to kill him, basically. Um, where he's he's doing all these crazy voices and he's doing this and that kind of thing, even at the expense of, you know, he, he knows he's about to get killed, you know? Mm -hmm. He doesn't even start pleading for his life until at the very end. I mean, mm -hmm. he's like got a gun pointed. So, yes, when he gets introduced at the beginning, you kind of get a sense for that character. Then it does switch back to the drama and the mm -hmm. romance the quote romance it has now officially been about 20 years since i've seen this movie but oh really yeah the but kubrick version the kubrick version. yeah no and then then when he's reintroduced yes it, it probably is a little jarring but i think because you had that that first inclination to him you, you kind of set up for that mm -hmm. i guess that's where he was going with it now i don't i don't really have much fondness for the 1997 version either me uh, neither uh, the uh, the Adrian Lyne version or Adrian Lynn, however you pronounce his oh, name. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the guy who did uh, Indecent Proposal, which we talked about recently, uh, did that one, and that one was on Showtime or HBO. It was a Showtime or HBO movie? The one with Jeremy Irons. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Irons Jeremy's and uh, Iron? Dominic Swain. Dominic Swain. That one was way more pervy. Yeah, that one was. I mean, they're both pervy. The, the root story is pervy enough that it's one of those things that I, I wonder why we feel the need to tell this story. More than once, and maybe even the once, like yeah. And, like, and what, are, what are we trying to? Well, I mean, it, there's there's a, a compelling story in there about obsession and well, it's and a all thing. In the, you've read? Have you subjects. read the book too? Yes. A long yeah, time the, ago. The, it's a Nabokov, and he's he's a master or whatever. Great so, goalie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, he there's a there's an opening passage on there where he says basically he just missed out on so many girls when he was younger and everything. Hmm. You remember that? No, I don't remember that. I think that's what he says. He's, he missed out on girls who were his age when he was growing up, and then when he got to thirty, he never knew what it was like to be with those girls. Now. Again, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a <laughs> exactly what Jeremy is talking about. Uh, but it does it does explain certain, I think, behaviors, even though they're not right. It's no, just, they're not okay. But yeah, it's it's the it, psychology there behind is a dr- this guy. There is a drama to it that that is worth exploring. He throws everything away uh, for for this girl, and then the girl falls out of love with him. And what is he left with now? You know, I mean, it it, it definitely is a, a compelling journey especially the the epilogue essentially where he goes to to see her uh out in her cabin where she, i think she's pregnant and stuff like that later on uh he's just he's 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 a shell of a man and that's why he goes to peter sellers thing uh who, who do you like better jeremy irons or james mason james mason for sure mason's really good jeremy irons uh it, he's perfectly fine in this movie mm-hmm. but i think the direction that they went for by really sexualizing mm-hmm. her and i think that's the difference between the 62 version is because because they couldn't do that, it made the story a little easier to to kind of sit through mm-hmm. uh, to get to the the compelling parts. Because this is not this is not cool. None of this is cool. You don't really want to revel in that. You don't really want to identify with that. And if you sexualize Lolita, um, you know, by having her, I think Dominic Swain was was of age when she did this. yeah she was of age when it came out now i don't know if she was when during filming or anything but yeah i think when you when you do that then you're starting to almost endorse some of the the viewpoints of the movie yeah. and i'm not cool with that is, is lolita her for, i haven't seen either of either mm-hmm. of these but is lolita herself want to sexualize herself like is that is, not at is first she, not is she really. seductive i think or? she's just innocent and the, but so uh, so in 62 yeah. version well, she's totally innocent yeah, yeah she's chased in, and girl-like and everything in the 97 version i feel like she's innocent but it's portrayed in a lens that makes her seem sexy or agree, try yeah. to be sexy or whatever well because i think of this scene then i compare it to something like the tale you know that, I, that i've heard you talk about and i've seen as well and it's one of my favorite movies of the year as painful as it is to watch like yeah. you know as hard as it is to watch that kind of stuff and i feel like there is something uh that feels a little more uh, honest about a portrayal like that because it comes from the perspective of the woman. You know, right. it comes from the perspective of the person who is dealing with their sexuality and dealing with what somebody else did to them and how they perceive that. And there's there's something so much more powerful about that and empowering about that than the Lolita story, which is, you know, as far as I understand it, is about the male understanding of that. It's from the perspective of the male mm-hmm. character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, All the way through. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the trick that Kubrick pulls off mostly. Now, there are some parts of that movie that are that are very uncomfortable, but he doesn't let this guy off the hook, mm-hmm. uh, both from a story perspective and from a cinematic perspective. He's not he's not a hero for doing any of this right. stuff. Um, right. So you know, he, he warts and all. Like he'll he'll show it from if if you're going to be tied to that perspective, which if you follow the source material, you're going to be, um, then. You know, don't don't hand wave through this this disgusting <laughs> act, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And neither version of Lolita is as good as Long Island Lolita. No, no, of course not. Is that a, was that a a Hallmark thing or a, a that lifetime? Was, thing? That, that was, was just the name for Amy I'm, Fisher. It was, yeah. but I'm sure that somebody made a movie 
with some seamless no, cast and called it that. They right? did. They did. There was one that was that went through the whole title, the Amy Fisher story or the Amy Fisher, the Long, Long Island Lolita. I yeah. think one of them did. There were three fucking Amy Fisher movies that came out. Yeah. yeah. That was they, a big I've ass seen story. at least one of them. Yeah. Drew Barrymore played yeah. Amy Fisher in one. And uh, I can't remember those the other two. But. Now, she was not of age, too, right? What? She was underage. Amy, Amy Fisher? Amy Fisher, uh, right? I don't remember. I think she Isn't was. Isn't that why they called her the Long Island I Lolita? think so, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I thought it was because her middle name was Lolita. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's what perfect, kind of, I tell you. What kind of parent would it's ever perfect. name <laughs> yeah. their kid Lolita? Oh, there's some names that are off limits now. Yeah, yeah there are. For sure. There are. Um, like um, my, son, my son Hitler and my daughter Lolita. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that. I mean, I bet you people are avoiding like shit like Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Donald. Spacey. <laughs> Donald. <laughs> I think. I think there are enough others like ducks and such. James that, Gunn. Uh... <laughs> James Gunn. Get back here. Yeah. That does. James Gunn. That is playing a, in the street. That is a southern name now. If you named them two names, James Gunn. Ed Tom. My name's James Gunn. <laughs> My name's James Gunn Ray. Ray Gunn. <laughs> Ray Gunn. Ray Gunn. <laughs> uh, on to. Uh, Happier times. Mr. Deeds, Adam Sandler. God, another he loves again. New Jersey. I mean, Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also loves Hawaii a lot. Like, I don't... Oh, yeah. Well, the, who wouldn't love Hawaii, He likes man, to travel. Right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He <laughs> likes to do the... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He likes to do these movies. But I don't, don't know what the draw to New Hampshire is, necessarily. I unless know. it's just a coincidence. Yeah, he's, he's from a little town in New Hampshire before he goes to New York to... So inherit. the Mr. Deeds goes to town wasn't? in new hampshire because that was the gary cooper I don't version think so. the uh i've seen the gary cooper version i've not seen this have this seen was it? this was the last I, I put myself out there i know this is a hated movie but this is the last time i actually enjoyed sandler oh yeah me too i i actually enjoy this movie oh, yeah? i i think I if too. you're in like the old school sandler mindset this movie actually works in some of the same ways that billy madison might or some of those ones that you know but it, it really is in there in like i think little nicky was actually before this yeah, it was. And yeah. I didn't like Little Nicky. Like, I felt like Little Nicky, I didn't oh, understand. Little Nicky is a piece of shit. That yeah, is yeah. awful. Yeah. So, but then, then he released it, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe he'll still make some good movies, and I was wrong. But that's, you know, that was the last time I actually enjoyed him. He's he's charming in this. He's yeah. a, charming to a fault. It's, yeah. it's the, the it, it, idealized Adam Sandler where he's, there's, there's a scene where uh, they're signing a, a star football player to the team and everything, and he's asking for more money. And uh, it's it's uh, uh, Jerry uh, Jerry O'Connell, right? I think so. And uh, and you know he's like, you watch your mouth, you know, you, there are ladies present here, and this is a star athlete, and the, the MVP of the league, and stuff like that. And he curse he cusses again, and Stanley like punches him in the face. He's like, I told you. <laughs> and uh, but he, otherwise, like he's he's chivalrous and he's generous to his community. Everybody loves him. He wants to give. His fortune away to the uh, the United Negro College Fund. He accepts his girlfriend, even though she's a shoplifter. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> she Winona, is a Winona Ryder plays a shoplifter in this movie. <laughs> no, uh, but no, and and the star of the show the steals the movie is John Turturro. I was going to say butler. that's the He's thing so I liked the most about the movie was he was exceptionally yeah. funny. Because a lot of the times, honestly. You know, the biggest knock on Sandler is probably the biggest defense of Sandler, and that's that he's just getting his friends together and having a good time. Um, but, you know, a lot of times these famous person in these wonky, weird cameo 
roles don't work very well for me. Mm. Like Buscemi is the like would be assassin in Billy Madison. Yeah, never yeah. never worked nearly as well as Turturro does in this one for me. It just was a perfect combination of him being willing to go for it and uh, just a funny gag. Because isn't he trying to like? What's the recurring gags? He's like sneaking up on. Yeah, him, he's right? saying sneaky, yeah, sneaky, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky, sir. Um, and then they've got that that famous scene, at least at the time, where he's uh, he shows him his foot, which was all blacked yes. out because he got frostbite and everything. And he's like, "No, go take a whack at it." So he's got this fireplace poker, and he's just wailing away. <laughs> and then eventually, like he sticks it in there, and Sam's like, "Oh!" And he's like, "Oh my god!" He freaks out. He's like, ah, "I'm just messing with you." <laughs> I, by the way, I did not see Jerry O'Connell in the credits. Oh, it's yeah, a Jerry O'Connell lookalike. It's it's discount. You've, you've seen the guy before. Okay, I'll, I'll look for him. Hang it's on. a guy that has never it's, been married to yeah, Rebecca. Uh, it's Romain. Jeremy P. Connell, actually. I think. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Um, he's he's known as Peacock in high school. That's right. Brandon Malale. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Good old Malale. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Uh, <laughs> he looks a lot like Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> uh, then we have On Golden Pond. Oh. as a 1981 version, which uh, got nominated for some Oscars. And then it was a remake, which I did not know about. Oh, uh, The remake, uh, interestingly, uh, was broadcast. There's a lot of these that I never heard of uh, that were adaptations that were done as a live TV event. Mm-hmm. So this one was for... So this was on CBS. It was one of those live events and okay. all that stuff. And uh, had Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, which is interesting because they reunited uh, after doing Sound of Music mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so many years ago. So um, The first on Golden Pond got uh, not only Oscar nominations, but wins for Henry Fonda, Catherine Hepburn, and uh, it looks like the writing also got uh, got a win. And Best Picture. Well. And uh, yeah, it, uh, well, it got nominated for Best Picture. It didn't win. Um, that this was the chariots of fire year, I believe. Oh. Um, but, uh, but Hepburn and Fonda both got, uh, I, I've never seen on golden pond. So I'll be saying this out of my ass here, but that sounds like lifetime achievement awards to, to be giving Fonda and Hepburn acting trophies. They're pretty amazing in this. Do you remember this movie? I actually haven't seen it. Yeah. They're pretty amazing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a character study. It's a character drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, you know, as as an acting showpiece, basically. No, mm-hmm. it's trash. Not it's a lot of uh, action. Garbage. It's not action heavy. It, it struck me as one of those things, and you can correct me on this if if I'm wrong, but it struck me as one of those things, like when I'm looking at my list of shame and movies I haven't seen that I need to see, like it just doesn't rise to the top of that list. Like I'm never excited to sit down and watch on well, Golden Pond. Well, I look Pond, at it, so. and I don't see the title on Golden Pond. I see the subtitle two old people talking about shit for two hours <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so no, i don't right? ever put it in or the or the porn title on golden blonde which was a, <laughs> when they came out you know what's disappointing to me is i was watching zach and miri the other day for some reason yeah that is why. disappointing it is it's it's one of those movies that has enough chuckles i i Same keep thinking me. it's gonna no, be you're better right, than you're it right, is you're right. yeah but I'm always disappointed by the porn names they come up with. Oh, I feel yeah. like Seth Rogen and Kevin Smith and some of the Craig Robinson, you put mm-hmm. those heads together, but they're coming up with like star whores. Yep. And I'm yeah. like, I'm, it's probably to be true to character because they're playing <laughs> idiots who basically have a high school education and nothing less and never did anything with mm. their lives. I just made it sound like high school educations are bad. Um, mm. <clears throat> anyway, it's disappointing to me. I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like there should be more variety and more quality. I agree. And I bet Dicer could spend five minutes and write a whole 
page of better it. porn pun titles. <laughs> yes, That's a daily activity at my place. <laughs> what would you kids do at around the breakfast that table? That's how you start to get to work is by right. coming up with porn titles. And they're like, all right, now I'm ready to write my great American novel. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has also got Dabney Coleman and Jane Fonda yeah, playing yeah, yeah. Fondas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, then we have Our Town. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a movie version of Our Town. I think, actually... I did see some, I think it was like a TV movie with Ned Beatty or something. I think Ned Beatty was in it. What about the version Kirk Cameron does on Growing Pains? Oh, on that right. one episode. <laughs> I totally. I actually did see that version. You remember? Yeah, I do. Our town is, is basically known for having that minimalist stage mm-hmm. where there's just uh, like uh, maybe a table and yeah. like and then maybe like some other little couple of things but that's it there's no there's no wallpaper there's no you know and people like when they're when they're doing things they mime it essentially mm-hmm. and everything it's a uh, play within a play play within a play yeah. yeah uh i actually don't remember anything else about it other than that ned Beatty was in it and that particular thing it's interesting because there was a 2003 another live tv event for pbs this mm-hmm. time uh, for our town, and that's one the one that uh, Paul Newman was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got an Emmy nomination for it, but he was playing the stage manager. The stage manager is the the guy that interacts with the audience and everything, and tells you like sets the scene. Here's the scene in the play where we do this, and they do that. Uh, it's a lot of like meta stuff in this. The, and it's uh, really good. The Our Town I'm thinking of came out in 1977. Had Hal Holbrook, Ned Beatty, um, and those are the big Ronnie Cox. Was, was it there. TV? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Interesting. Um, but um, uh, I don't remember what it's about, really. I just remember that it's about a play, and there's there's a, a conduit for the audience that uh, mm-hmm. that they introduce what they're doing and that kind of thing. I think it's it's almost like a day in the life of this town and, and different characters within that. Yeah. Then we have the rules of attraction. Man, Ooh. all right, I want to stop here, because there's very few movies set in New Hampshire, but for whatever reason... There was a high percentage of them that I've seen and that I really liked on this list. And Rules of Attraction is definitely one of them. One of those undiscovered gems, I still feel like. I agree. Rules of Attraction. And uh, that song that plays... Boop, 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 when he's walking to class, <laughs> we see Shannon Sossaman <laughs> yeah, walking yeah, to class yeah, when yeah. they do that split screen and then it pans up. That song stays with me whenever I watch this movie. I probably haven't seen it in a few months and I just pulled that song out of my ass. <laughs> So this was Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah, Brett Easton Ellis wrote the uh, the novel, and uh, and then Roger Avery, who That's was right. uh, associated with Quentin Tarantino for a long time, directed it. Uh, Killing Zoe's Roger Avery. That's right. Roger Avery wrote the screenplay based on this. But uh, I, I, we've talked about Rules of Attraction a couple of times. I don't think we've ever gone right out and said, let you, you guys need to go watch this. But that's a recommend from this uh, podcast. It is, but... I don't know if it's an easy watch. For you're gonna. A lot of I was gonna say you're gonna feel pretty dirty. It's a wreck of worn, maybe because <laughs> of the 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 content that's in this. But James Vanderbeek has never been anything like this. No, well, no. even ever, even uh, Fred Savage yeah. in his little <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> shooting heroin in his toes. Yeah, cameo. Well, and then you have you have uh, like uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Jay Baruchel mm-hmm. shows up in this as some completely different too. Yeah, just a lot of just like um, 
yeah, it's a lot of vignettes in it and everything. It's not like a real cohesive one. There is one sort of a thread going through it and everything. Uh, Sean Bateman, who is, uh, world connected to Patrick Bateman because He's of his brother. Yeah. Because yeah. of the, the Brett Easton Ellis, um, connection and everything, uh, is the main character in this. And he's, he thinks that the Shannon Sossman character is sending him these notes, these love letters essentially and everything. And so he and her, like she unbeknownst, like she's kind of attracted to him, but she's not sending these letters. Right. So there's like this whole, like, I think you're, I think you're into me. I think you're into me, blah, 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 uh, going through it. And then, uh, but then there's just all these other little segments that show up. In yeah. It. Yeah. Just, uh, there's the, there's a drug overdose thing. There's a thing with Ian Summerhalder who's trying to, he's, um, he's trying to get with James Vanderbeek the whole movie um there's a scene with i think it's kip purdue yeah which we've the, talked about that's before, the best one that one where he's talking about all the stuff he's done on his european uh, tour i and met every- a girl in france uh she took me home we fucked <laughs> and then we did co- lines of coke and blah blah blah. it's like it's, it's drugs sex and rock and roll oh my god all in like a 30 second montage oh, that's so great. way quicker than any montage that you'll ever see uh hey just, what happened to ian summerholder i don't know that vampire show well yeah, that was popular though, right? Well, he got he was on Lost. Yeah, this was before oh, yeah, Lost, right. but he was on the Vampire Diaries. Diaries, Man, okay, yeah. And then he's on something new, a new show this this year. Oh, really? Okay, so I guess he just transitioned to TV. But it looked I like mean, he was going to have a pretty good movie career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought I thought he was too. Um, uh, but yeah, it. it he's kind of just playing Gay Boone in this, though, isn't he? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm not sure he has a lot of range. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, Boone is that his character? Boone name on is Lost? the character's yeah. name on Lost, yeah. right? Yeah. He's yeah. playing that character right. only in Rules of Attraction. Yeah. He's gay. I didn't think I said anything wrong, Pat Boone. <laughs> but there's <laughs> a. <laughs> not playing Boone. He's not playing. <laughs> I don't think you said anything wrong. No, no. I just I'm trying to wrap my head around that. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, because besides well, it being the same actor, but, but there's very little overlap <laughs> between those characters. Uh, well, I don't know. In, in in Lost, isn't he sort of like uh, lusting after a stepsister? Well, that? and he's kind of whiny, and I just feel like all I was just trying to say, similar to what we were saying earlier about maybe Costner that or Keanu that the range maybe isn't necessarily there maybe for him so. to have taken off as a movie star. Well, because even in the Vampire Show, I think he's playing Vampire Boone. Well, it's true. <laughs> In uh, in my own private Idaho, Keanu is just playing, you know, gay Neo. So. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And River Phoenix Keo. is just playing gay. Everybody's got a straight and River. gay version of themselves out there. Right. I mean, it's, hell, everybody's gay sometimes. <laughs> it's Hollywood. I'm correct. There's a ton of people, though, in this movie. Jessica Biel, Kate Bosworth's in this, uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, yeah, Clifton Collins. Clifton Collins has this manic section in there where he's like, he's like, I need you like my asshole, my elbow, my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Faye Dunaway, Swoozy Kurtz. There's Eric like a, Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, who's playing a real creepy ass fucking professor. I just love that Fred Savage's actual character name is a junkie named Mark. <laughs> 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 Can't you just say Mark? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that's like uh that thing you do where ethan Embry's called the bass player yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah. i think his character is credited as tbp 
player. <laughs> I had to think it through. Jeremy's Iron. <laughs> Jeremy's Iron. Uh, but no, Rules of Attractions like, uh, is a fun movie. I would, yeah, maybe wreck a warn since there are a lot of like uh, themes in this that it will make you uncomfortable. Have you read the book? Yes. It's a very faithful adaptation mm-hmm. of that book. Yeah. And uh, the book will also make you feel like you need a shower. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> for sure. Uh, another great movie, To Die For. Yeah. Uh, I haven't I, seen this. To Die For is great. Yeah. I saw it in theaters, and I saw it right when it came out on video, which was, what, 90s? Mid-90s? Yeah, it yeah. came out in 95. 95. Uh, and I haven't seen it since, but I remember thinking it was great. Yeah, I love this. This is when Nicole Kidman arrived for American audiences. I, I think believe. so, yeah, for sure. Before this, she was Miss Tom Cruise. Yeah. And, and like, everything that she came out with was like, I don't know if she's good or not. Mm-hmm. To Die For put all that to rest, and everything since then, really, after this, sort of put that to rest. She made her own career really well after yeah, this movie. Yeah, she's a great actress. Yeah, she and is. Well, this is the first time you saw it. The first time I remember remember seeing walking phoenix mm-hmm. and this is based on a true story at least loosely mm-hmm. um because <clears throat> i remember the story i don't know if it is or not but it's uh, i think it's a fairly common enough story maybe that's that, what i'm thinking it's is that, crazy common you hear one of these stories like every year it seems like yeah, yeah. yeah it was pamela smart was who it was based on the okay, story that's what i thought smart. Yeah. yeah so uh so nicole kidman this is a gus van sant movie mm-hmm. yep uh which is probably why there's a phoenix in it yeah yeah and uh casey affleck yeah uh but uh yeah nicole kidman plays a uh like a weather girl at a local station who wants to like become this awesome like national reporter or whatever so she thinks the best way to do this completely out of her purview is to go off and do like some like uh undercover thing at a a, not undercover but like go out and get out get real with the kids and like ask them questions like what's life like out here and everything and uh then she gets romantically involved with joaquin phoenix yeah and uh complicating the matters even more she's like i want you to kill my husband matt dillon yeah man <laughs> would you kill my husband matt dillon for me <laughs> um so it becomes this big like uh really complex and uh you know good story yeah and everything it's uh it's really well done and this is nicole kidman has just arrived in this yeah, i really want to watch this again like right now yeah i know I know. I used to watch this. This used to come on one of the movie channels all the time way back in the day. Hmm. And I just seemed to always find myself drawn to it yeah. and everything. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, to die for another big recommend from this podcast. Definitely. Ooh. And it takes place in New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> who knew? Somehow, some way. That's right. Oh, Dan Hadea is in this as a real angry <laughs> father. Yeah. Uh, who else is in this? Ileana so, Douglas. Oh, Ileana Douglas yeah. is in this uh then we have urban legend this yeah. is a piece of shit oh it's the first one or the second one either this one the, well, doesn't the matter the, the yeah. first one is the, this is the first one it's a oh it's a horrible movie. The one that has jared oh leto? hell no uh, jared leto was, was he in it uh, Alicia Leto, Witt was the in Alicia Witt, Rebecca yeah. Gayhart. I don't even remember. Jared I'm pretty Leto. sure jared Le- jared leto was in this was jennifer morrison in this or was she's she in, in the, the second sequel. one she's yeah. in final cut yeah, it is Jared Leto, Alicia Witt, uh, Rebecca Gayhart, and oh, Tara yeah. Reid. Yeah, oh my God. And Joshua Jackson. It's basically yeah. like, it was. this movie was cast based on, like, who do I, who had I seen in a magazine yesterday? <laughs> oh, okay, let's just get all of them. Well, isn't it basically 
doing trying to do imitate scream success yes. by mm-hmm. casting pretty people from like the wb yes. and the cw we were still on the scream wave at this point yeah, this is Urban i Lund- i know what you did last summer all that yeah stuff. yeah, yeah. they're all kind of trying to recreate that success and, well it feels more like final destination to me like it feels like it's one of those high concept you know what high concept but you know that actually no. has like a concept that ties it together or mm-hmm. whatever like yeah. that the difference is final destination actually pulls it off amazingly yeah. enough yeah uh, and and this one just didn't have it. I, I think this is a great Great concept. Like this could be a really fun, well, interesting. I think it's a fun movie. You're, oh, you enjoy it. I enjoy. Oh, it. I hadn't heard you say that yet. No, I mean, it's not great. I was it's not even great for this slasher genre or anything like that. But if it's on, man, well, I will probably watch it. What I was gonna get at about this movie is that it shows you how hard it is to to make urban legends, which are are meant to be real short stories that you right. tell around campfires. Uh, how hard how hard it is to make it a a movie about that to me anyway it seems like it seems like it's hard to make those like you're not making you're not taking one of our favorite urban legends and turning it into a full-blown movie you're just yeah they're they're piling on several of they're them. they're putting in yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah. of them and uh and and yeah i never could get connected to that like if it, it you know i mean we could make it about the guy and, and the hook and everything and you know the the, the people making out and you know the story oh, yeah. the people making out and the hook and all that uh you would only have like a 15 minute movie i'm gonna spoil this movie right here okay so rebecca gayhart is the killer right she sure and is. she takes this you can tell she was famous for being the noxima girl all right she so was. she's not known ding, for her ding, ding. <laughs> she takes a hard right <laughs> As soon as she's revealed to be the killer and just blows the top out of this performance. And she's like, ding, 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 motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, it's so great, man. Like, she just comes alive. Yeah. She's like, I've been in this Noxima shell for this long. I'm coming out. Yeah. Don't forget she was also I'm in- coming out. Guns blazing. Don't forget she was Noxima also in that heavy shell. Video. What uh, were you saying? Don't forget she was also in that Heavy D video. Oh, yeah. She was in the Heavy D video. Oh, man. Um, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, that's, that's one of those things that I don't like about uh, surprise killers a lot of times is that you'll watch them and they're t- completely normal in everything that they do. And then suddenly when, they, when they're when they revealed to be that person, they're like suddenly just, ah, don't yeah. mind if I do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It works in something like The Devil's Advocate. Yeah. When you've got Al Pacino with his firepower. Mm-hmm. It does not always work with Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah, exactly. As we found out, it does not work with Rebecca Gayhart. It's <laughs> uh, funny, though. We, we all had a crush on Rebecca Gayhart back in the day. Though. Oh, my goodness. And Alicia Witt. Yeah, especially Alicia. And Jared Leto. Yeah, and Jared Leto. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yeah, I was, well, yeah, my so-called I mean, wife, I was like, Claire nah, Danes cannot I'm, I'm have not, him. I'm not even That's fully true. joking, I should say. He, <laughs> he, he, at that time, was a beautiful man. Jordan Catalano, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was my jam. I liked, uh, I liked, uh, I liked Claire Danes' friend in that, too. Yeah, I could, I could fuck that whole cast. You have won the crown. There's nothing we can say the rest of this show that will be worse. <laughs> oh. I was, well, I was, I was the same age. <laughs> we all have stories. Oh, all at once or just uh, individually? You, you were definitely. Yeah, I mean, we all were kind of around that age yeah. at the time. I was in high school when that show was starting. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah, right? I definitely 91, was. 91, 92. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't. I mean, <laughs> we're laughing. I don't think. It, I don't think it's that bad. I don't it, think it's that. It's bad. It's not that bad. Uh, <sighs> then there's a. Uh, what about Bob? Oh, Lake Winnipesaukee. Mm-hmm. That's in New Hampshire. That's yeah. probably yeah. a real place, right? Because there's this thing where where Bob fakes his own death and just so he can go into the the call center, basically. Yeah. And he interview. He talks to the the woman that talked to Leo Marvin, and uh, he's like, Lake Winnipesaukee. Is that in Delaware or something like that? And she's like, It's New Hampshire. And he's like, New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what a great movie! Like, um, almost unfairly overshadowed in the the lore that has become groundhog day like yeah like i only went to see groundhog day because what about bob had made me cry laugh at least 30 or 40 times and i was like whatever that man does next i'm in yeah and groundhog day is great and it's it's a i'm not trying to dog on groundhog day i'm just saying what about bob has kind of been lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. and boy is it end to end enjoyable it's perfect it's a perfect comedy it's so good and uh i agree i have both groundhog day and what about bob in my top 100 movies of all time yeah just because they're so much fun to watch yeah um but it's like some of those quotes like my kids and i still use the i'll be quiet i'll be peace (laughs) uh it's always except for my kids get mixed up and they don't realize they're ruining the joke (laughs) they start with i'll be peace and the other one's like i'll be quiet i was like you kind of got that backwards but we'll be okay but just like front to back i'm sailing all that stuff is just so good dr leo marvin (laughs) uh yeah it's my wife and i quote dinner scene oh that dinner scene (laughs) dinner scene's great my favorite part is uh uh, is when he's he's teaching uh, his his son to dive. Bob goes out after he goes sailing, yeah, yeah. and he's like, "I'm teaching your son to dive." And he holds him, and he's like, "He's ready to go." And Leo comes out the door and everything. And uh, as as Richard Dreyfus is going to pull his kid out of the water, he knocks over Bob, and Bob is is in the water, and he's he's double jointed, so his <laughs> his hands are pointed out. He's like, "Am I gonna die? Am I gonna die?" He's like, "No, you're not gonna die, Bob." Uh. You know, I don't know if I've seen this since it came out in theaters. Oh, wow. I've, probably, wow. I've literally seen this probably 30 times. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, it, Jeremy was talking about how Groundhog Day overshadowed it. That was definitely that, the case for me because I've seen Groundhog Day more than that. Oh, sure. Uh, and what about Bob sort of got lost in the shuffle for me. And it wasn't until much later when I started hearing people say they loved that movie as much as Groundhog Day that I was like, oh, well, I don't remember it as much as everybody else does. I haven't gone back to watch it yet since I was 14 years old. Oh, you will love it. I've seen scenes from it since Richard then. Dreyfus is the unsung hero of this movie. He too. really he's is. He has so the good. thankless role. He's basically playing the straight man who has to react to all the wacky antics that you know Bob Wiley is doing. And, you know, it's the, so his lines are mostly angry or reactive. You think he's gone? It's he's what, not gone. Yeah. He's never gone. That's what makes the comedy work, I think, is his slow burn <laughs> to the end where he's finally gone crazy <laughs> because of this crazy person. Uh, and it's, 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 it's just a singular, if I had to choose one, <laughs> one performance for Bill Murray, it would be What About Bob? Wow. That's a weird thought experiment. Yeah, it would be. Which Bill Murray? Because I bet you most you... people would choose Ghostbusters or Groundhog Day. Well, I don't know. He's, uh, he's Rushmore probably, would be up there. And he's probably more. I don't know. Varied manic in What About Bob? Like more things to do. Whereas, like in Rushmore, he's sort of playing on him his own persona in those type of movies, mm-hmm. uh, in Broken Flowers and stuff like that. Awesome translation. Yeah, um, he's sort of playing on that whole 
um that whole thing whereas back in and even ghostbusters he's just kind of playing a you know he's just playing a jerk mm-hmm. in that. and what about bob is sort of a a step for him yeah where he's it's sort of a difference between what he's doing you know all all throughout his career up until this point yeah he's been a confident badass that's funny mm-hmm. uh and a hero the whole time mm-hmm. and this is the first time i guess that he i mean even in groundhog day he's a confident you know immortal badass that yeah. ends up being like a total badass yeah um i've been reading a lot about groundhog day and the, the buddhist nature of uh, <laughs> living your perfect day and all that stuff yeah anyway uh but yeah no i I think you're right. I think I would probably take What About Bob, Bill Murray. It's not a bad call. It's not, I, mean, I mean, you know, I like to put myself out there, but not that far out there. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I like to have the unpopular opinion that's actually popular when you sit and think about it for a minute. Uh, then we'll do a little rundown here. The Hotel New Hampshire, a movie with Jodie Foster and uh, young Seth Green, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Yeah. It, is is it is it any different from Hotel Artemis that she was in earlier this past? <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. Uh, then there's uh, I remember this movie. I don't know if I ever saw it. In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, uh, Sam Neill. Sam Neill, John Carpenter directed. Yeah, it's bad. I saw it in the theater and it's bad. Yeah, it's wow. Bad. I used to see this at Blockbuster all the time, and I was like, had a cool, you know, the the is it? Uh, did you say Clive Barker? No, John Carpenter. John, John Carpenter. Carpenter. That's right. Uh, it had that like gothic looking thing. It was yeah. a psychological horror film yeah. and everything. Just never pulled the trigger. On Carpenter it. had this awful '90s period man where he was just everything he came Bats. out was. Yeah, there was vampires. There was uh, there oh, was uh, there was um, uh, Village of the Damned, yeah. which had Christopher Reeve in it. Uh, just uh, just everything he came out with in the '90s. It's like he just suddenly forgot how to make fun movies. Escape and all, from L.A. Yeah, Escape from L.A. <laughs> yeah uh all through the 80s he made all these great just like even if you even if they're not great movies they're so watchable mm-hmm. uh and then in the 90s something happened there like either the studios ghosts of mars ghosts of mars oh my god i forgot about that <laughs> which one was james woods in was that vampires vampires, that was vampires. Yeah. he did bats too right oh i don't know i don't even know about that movie 1999 bats movie that wasn't carpenter bats. somebody named Lu- luis morneau directed that one i guess i got bats and vampires, vampires probably <laughs> yeah uh but yeah if 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 he had done that movie it would have been in that same <laughs> yeah um all right so then there's in your eyes uh what's uh written by joss whedon and starring zoe kazan i didn't have see you this. seen this aaron i haven't seen any of the the rest of these new hampshire movies so. um what when was this 2014 so after Completely the avengers off of my radar Somewhere when he was 2014, I should have been seeing almost everything. Yeah. What's it called? In Your Eyes. I don't, Kazan, remember, I don't written remember that by at all. Written or directed by Whedon? Written by him. Who directed it? Um, Who's Zoe Kazan? Bren Hill. Give me a synopsis. It's a paranormal uh, two, romance movie. Two seemingly unconnected souls from different corners of the United States. Hayden make, Christensen? Make a, no. Mm. Make a uh, telepathic bond that allows them to see, hear, and feel each other's experiences. All right. No, uh, I missed this somehow. Creating a bond that apparently can't be broken. Apparently. Oh, I know what you. I know why it had its world premiere at the 2014 Tribeca Film Festival, and it was self distributed online instead of taking on theatrical uh, distribution. Yeah. But it's just so weird that there's you know recognizable talent involved in this, and it just kind of yeah nobody nobody went to the ether. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there's Live Free or Die, not hard. <laughs> uh, that'd be great if that were the title <laughs> if it said not hard yeah uh, 
die not hard yeah apparently some of the seinfeld writing team wrote mm-hmm. some of this I, I did not see this either uh northwest passage is another classic movie i should have seen but i haven't yeah me too um, me either spencer tracy movie uh then there's the plague um this also has james vanderbeek in it <laughs> yes, it does i don't know <laughs> i i think i've accidentally seen some of this and it was awful i'm sure it was <laughs> uh, oh this is the, yeah i know what i know what this is this is the one where okay the 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 kids start dying and turning into zombies but then the zombies who are still kids uh, like start to develop like this collective unconscious or uh, like a like a telepathic ability uh-huh. and they start getting smarter and then they start like getting smart enough to where they can outsmart the humans but they're still kids but they're zombie kids and that and there's that's the play and there's dawson so it's like a <laughs> it's borg mesh network except with zombie kids of zombie children yeah i um yeah i'm sure it's i'm sure it's a wreck of warn <laughs> uh then there's what goes up a steve coogan comedy never saw this either and then yeti a love story it's a trauma movie i may have accidentally watched some of this too i, I did not see this <laughs> at all that'll do it for new hampshire that's it yeah well yeah. well i won't be sorry to see it go I, again i think it, there's a lot of fun content in in this list I when, when for, do we get to hampshire yeah yeah old, old hampshire <laughs> hampshire <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? It would have been great if they actually named the original Hampshire Old Hampshire. That's right. That would but, have been... but with an E at the <laughs> end. Of old. With an E, yes, exactly. Um, all right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some rants now. Yeah, baby. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. All right, who wants to rant first? Aaron, do you want to rant? I can. I, I'm going to switch mine up because you said something during uh, I was thinking during click about, you know, fast forwarding through the boring parts of life. And I was I, when I work out, I watch whatever's on the TV without the volume. Mm-hmm. Right. And this commercial comes on for headphones that you can plug into your TV. That's a fine product. Right. There's times that that's valuable. Mm-hmm. The whole commercial is about how to use this product to shut out your family. Like, oh. it's, this, it's this dude who's like the wife is trying to get him to help the kids with homework. And he's like, nope, I'm into the ball game. And he puts the, he puts the headphones on. And I'm awesome. going like what? Like way to appeal to the lowest common denominator of what it means to be a male. That's so yeah. awful. I was like I was fuming. That's I was so, so mad coming out of my workout. I probably burned an extra 300 calories just from anger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned that. It just reminded me of that. And just that there's there's something that started happening in the 90s-ish towards the early 2000s of the, the dumb dad, like the dumb guy, you know, stereotype, which I get and understand because, you know, there is a need to, to bring guys down a peg, you know, mm-hmm. but there is a point of balance right where it's like okay at some point we can just let you know dads be cool again right or be you know at least not complete homer simpson there's that one commercial where it's the dad driving and he's like i get 50 dollars cash back every month i have a brand new putter my wife doesn't even know about and i'm like that's fucking terrible. That's exactly my point. Your wife should know about that money. You're an asshole. And he's like, whoopie doo, I'm awesome. I got my cash back and didn't tell my wife. And I'm like, God, what an asshole. I know. (laughs) Buy our headphones. Ruin your marriage. Like, it's so, I like, I just don't get it. Your kids will never know you because you can put our headphones on. It reminds me of, uh, there, there was a Mr. Show skit where they, 
finally, finally combined uh, mustard and mayonnaise into the same jar so that you wouldn't have to waste so much time. <laughs> I remember. And, Did uh, they go with mayo stirred? One's mayo stirred, and okay. the other one is mustard and Yeah, mustard <laughs> and uh, So the mayo stirred one, I think, is like people are like in this 1984 existence or something like that, and they're like eating their sandwiches and shit. And some like dude like dressed up as Abraham Lincoln comes in and is like, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's how they sell the mayoster, but the mustard anise has Bob Odenkirk as this father who keeps missing his daughter's stuff, and it's like uh, the daughter comes in, and is like, "I'm going to the game. You want to see me play in my game or whatever?" And he's like sitting there spreading stuff on his on his bread or whatever. He's like, he just shakes his head, like can't go. And then like then it's like the girl comes in and she's graduating, and he's like, "Dad, I'm graduating," and he's like. Just shakes his head and he's like, Dad, I'm getting married. And he's like, mm. And then this old lady comes in, Dad, I'm dying. And he's like, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Uh, that's a, that's so a that's good my rant. That's yeah, my rant. I mean, it exactly. Me. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, what kind of message are we sending right. here? I was just, like, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's once in a while it's kind of good to like be able to close things out, but not like to the point of like. Well, and there's great reasons to have those headphones. If you have somebody who, <laughs> you know, wants to sleep while you're watching what, you know, yeah. like you could use them in a way to actually make your partner's life better. Right. Not make your own life life worse (laughs) i remember you remember that commercial a couple years ago when they first developed the technology i think it's a direct tv technology where it shows the guy in the living room watching something but he wants to go in the kitchen for a snack so he slings that to the television (laughs) in his kitchen (laughs) and it's like you can watch the same show in any tv i'm like okay so now i'm doing both entertainment and life the wrong way (laughs) because i'm doing them both constantly and i can't separate the two right yeah commercials have all kinds of bad stereotypes Uh, just to sell weird yeah all right all right first man First man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're all excited to see it. At least I am. Mm-hmm. This is some bullshit here. Damien Chazelle directing Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. He's gotten generally positive reviews. Oh, glowing some, reviews for the Some part. absolutely glowing. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think I've seen a bad review of it. I've seen ones that kind of mitigated their enthusiasm. Sure. So, uh. During Venice, was it the Venice Film Festival? Uh, Ryan Gosling was asked about. I don't know if he was asked specifically about this scene, but there's no scene of Neil Armstrong planting the American flag in the lunar surface, Mm -hmm. talking about the moon again. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ryan Gosling, either in response to this or or some other way, said this was a human achievement. First person, first man to walk on the moon was a singular experience for the entire world. It wasn't uniquely American. Right. I'm not quoting him verbatim, just paraphrasing it. Due to these comments... These comments and the press picking it up and stuff like that, not by seeing the movie. Uh, politicians like Marco Rubio in particular uh, started tweeting about how this was a uniquely uh, U.S. Uh, funded mission that used U.S. ships and U.S. astronauts and stuff like that. It was an American achievement. It was not a human. It wasn't a U.N. achievement. And from there, of course, all the trolls are picking up this this scent of this is unpatriotic. This movie is now unpatriotic for not containing a scene that they haven't seen in a movie that they haven't seen. Even Buzz Aldrin fucking tweeted out a picture of the flag on the moon and said, proud to be an American. Right. <laughs> yes. And so I he's doubt he's feuding. seen the movie. Yes. Uh, but he's he's already. Yeah. And see, I'm concerned our rants are going to bleed together because I wanted to rant about the Colin Kaepernick Nike thing mm-hmm. and the, the reaction 
of people like John Rich from Big and Rich. Oh my God! Who's what was it? Their drummer, their sound guy, their sound guy. Cut the Nike swoosh off of the socks that he'd already given Nike the money for. Yeah. Um, and you know, I will admit, John Rich has more followers on Twitter than I do. Uh, but I'm, I'm very concerned with how it seems like patriotism is mingling with what I view to be like race issues mm-hmm. and equality issues. Oh, but that's the whole point. Well, it's, it is. And all, that's my it's point. All, it's all it's all a, it's that oh, that first man stuff is just dog whistle. It's pure Absolutely. dog whistle. It's pure dog whistle nonsense. Yep. And it just it slays me. It, and the Kaepernick thing is the same way. Yeah. And it's just like. My team, your team, we're on this side, and here's the latest thing we can well, get distracted you, you by. You know and- Kaepernick's kneeling is not about the military or patriots. You know that. You're either I do. Well, okay. There's only two kinds of people. The people who, who don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And there are flat earth people out there. So I'm willing to believe there are people ignorant enough to actually believe yes. Kaepernick is protesting the military. But they're a small number. The rest of y'all are just racist. You just want an excuse to be mean to the black man. Mm. And it's really infuriating to me that we're tying these things together. Again, I, again, I step out of that anger. I'm fascinated to see how the NFL is going to play out these first few yeah. weeks because this issue is not over. Uh, and there are going to be more protests than ever now. Um, but, you know, I, I find it interesting that Nike's going all in on this, mm-hmm. uh, knowing they would take some backlash. They clearly must have some market research that suggests... Yeah, they did did the numbers, I'm sure. (laughs) The majority of people are going to agree with them. Um, But, yeah, the first man thing is really frustrating, especially so because there doesn't seem to be a target there. No, there's not, and I'll I'll give you an example of that. So the Maltons are good friends, Leonard and Jesse Malton, are at the Telluride Film Festival, and they saw First Man, and uh, we're talking to to Jesse about it, and uh, saw her post on Twitter defending somebody uh who had said you know this is a pretty good movie somebody got on there and said it's unpatriotic blah 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 blah. she defends this person and now she's getting attacked Mm. for a tangential first man defense essentially yeah and that's what you're saying there is no target no it's it's not like ryan gosling or damien chazelle have done anything to piss off the right or marco rubio or the racist conservative yeah well from my understanding from people who've seen the movie it's it's a very patriotic movie even and, it you know, is it's like yeah there's there's flag shots all over the place there's you know that that emotion of wow we did this kind of thing um so it's just it's just weird to hear people who haven't seen it picking out something just as as you said a dog whistle it's a, it's, a, it's absolutely a, that because yeah. we've we were we were just a few years ago at a place where everyone could agree Michael Bay uses too many American flags in his movies. We yeah. did a whole we did a whole montage bonus round of them in the Transformers Five with <laughs> mm-hmm. the first one with Marky Mark because there were so many American flags. That's like a cliche. And now we've come just a few years later. And if you didn't put the American flag in your movie, that's about an American. You're not patriotic. That's right. You hate America. Yeah. God, I really hate this country right yeah. now. There's a. <laughs> that was I, I haven't said anything. What? No, you're like you hate America, man. I hate America. I'm uh, just saying <laughs> I hate being American right now because of what these people just, are. No, I totally got I'm it. I'm getting lumped in the same thing. 
I, I haven't said anything because I've tried to argue with a lot of these people. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. Uh, it is impossible. They they think it is this, and there's no way that you can tell them any other thing because everybody's got black and white motives about everything, yep. apparently. And so, like, uh, it's uh, it's impossible to argue one way or the other. There, I did learn in school, though, there's a difference between patriotism and nationalism, and I think we're mm-hmm. getting into the mm-hmm. na- I think we're getting into a lot of nationalism with the so-called love of our country and everything. That's uh, getting kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Um, and, uh, and so like, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that anybody would have even batted an eye had that question not been asked. Well, like, that's the other thing. Somebody went looking for it. Yeah. And, uh, I think that if the movie had come out without that, there wouldn't have been anybody, nobody would have come out and well, said, and ah. it's, it's exactly what you were joking about how we should have, we should have pushed our podcast with Andy Weir with a clickbait headline saying You're Andy right, Weir yeah, refuses yeah. to deny that the Martian and <laughs> Artemis are in a shared universe. Uh, but that's what this was. Somebody right. asked a question with clickbait in mind yeah. and then phrased the initial report as there's no flag planting scene in this movie about a real event where there was a flag planting scene, and then it just became off to the race. The most depressing thing to me about the whole thing is our inability now to actually do research and find truth for ourselves, be independent thinkers, and actually do, because, you know, shortly after somebody's saying they took the flags off the the space shuttle astronauts uniforms like why would they take those flags off? Why wouldn't they be historically accurate? And do you know how many people believe that when there's a picture of those flags on those uniforms in the movie that they could just find? Well, that's like, why I think I think you're underestimating that group of people that don't know that he's, back to Colin Kaepernick, that think he's protesting the military. I think there's more of those people because they've been told, well, he's protesting the military. They're not bothering to fact check that. Well, well that's, what, that's what's so depressing to me yeah. is you just believe whatever somebody on your side says and that's just how I it is. I bet that's a big but number. That's, 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 I mean, even if you, you were to tell them the actual reason, they don't believe in that reason either. Though. Yep. That's the other Yeah, part. I saw a woman with a ton of followers who's boycotting Nike now because she doesn't tolerate hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And she was straight-faced about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, this is the world we live in. Nobody, facts don't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Got to crawl out of this somehow. It's why yeah. I'd like, you know, oh, it's a scary, scary place. All right, yeah. Chris, do you have a rant? Well, <laughs> I do, but it's not. See, this this is one of those things you need to like edit this so that mine comes first. I'm going to rant about like corn on the cob. Yeah, now, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to rant about stupid corn, corn on, the on the cob. <laughs> fuck, what is it? Where the fuck get it? does oh, it get off? Pieces <laughs> in my teeth. <laughs> it, literally. How really, the fuck does it get off? I really hate corn on the cob for yeah. the record, but uh, um, moving on. No, the uh, the when we all went to, except for Aaron, because we don't we don't believe Aaron should ever be with us on trips. <laughs> uh, no, we all went to New York uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, so we saw Hamilton. That was awesome. Oh yeah, oh, so glad you guys yeah. saw it. Yeah, yeah. Hamilton was. We did on. not throw away our shot. We Good. did not throw away our <laughs> shot, and uh, and I think we got into that theater pretty easily. We got there right around showtime, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't a big deal. Uh, you guys left a day before I did, and I went, and I was like, all right, I need to fill this day with something else, and so I saw 2001 on the big screen. That was awesome. Uh, I also saw The Book of Mormon again. I had seen it at here in cool. T- Pack in Nashville and everything. Uh, before I uh, got in the line, though, I was like, I'm going to go into this restaurant real quick, and I'm going to waste some time in there. 
there until that line gets down and I can go in, you know, no problem. So I go into the restaurant, eat a little bit, come back out. That line's still there. And it's like five minutes to showtime. Five minutes? Yes. What the hell? It's a long line. It goes all the way to the other street how long it is. Huh. And uh, and so I, I get in this line and I was like, it's five minutes to showtime. What the fuck is going on? Like, why are we in this situation? And the problem always comes down to, I believe, managers who just aren't, they don't give a fuck about stuff like this. I told a story in a podcast in a long time ago about how I was Hollywood 27 the night that we got that Harry Potter, that last Harry Potter movie, and we sold out all 27 auditoriums for a midnight show. And, uh, and, and so like, that's a ton of fucking people. <laughs> Had you ever done that before, by the way? No, I mean, there's no chance that you could ever do it because digital age makes it where you can ease, can, you can do that easily. Yeah. In, in the, in previous, uh, times where I've, I've talked about that dark night thing that, that we did where we had the two prints and we ran it through seven projectors. Uh -huh. That, that's way more impressive than doing the 27 digital yeah. projectors, but that's what you had to do back in the day. You had to, you had to interlock a one print through another projector or try to multiple do multiple projectors with the digital age you can just you know it's it's there mm -hmm. you just go ahead and run it uh as long as your you know your district office says you can cancel such and so or you you know whatever so we had all 27 sold out and the manager at the time was like i'm gonna let all these people in at 11:45 or whatever or 11:50. I don't remember what time it was, but that's 5,000 fucking people. Yeah. Why did he wait? Nobody knows because he's a dickhead. That's why. <laughs> Nobody knows why. But that, but think about the logistics involved of getting 5,000 people into a, into a theater. And then what happens to the concession stand after that? And like how, how many, how much chaos is going on downstairs for all that type of thing to happen? This, this thing that happened at Book of Mormon by comparison was very civil and whatever. I got to my seat fine. They didn't start it until like five minutes late, whatever. The point is it should never have to get to this point. Mm -hmm. There's, it, there, there's something about managers at theaters or places where masses of people come in where they're not thinking about how much money they've leave, they're leaving on the table by like le by waiting till the last second to let people Missing in. Missing out on all that concession. Oh my god! So all they had to do in that Hollywood Twenty Seven thing with Harry Potter was allow one auditorium to come in. Like there was people lined up at ten, nine, ten o'clock. Yeah. We had auditoriums empty. So if you're like, hey, if you're in theater twenty or whatever we'll let you in it's it's free it's open yeah. then they go and do the concessions they're they're done they're they're happy yeah then you do the same thing with all the other ones that open up and then at the end maybe you have to let in another four or five hundred people but uh it, there's there's a, a complete lack of awareness on this i saw this at my own theater when i was in new york when i was see we had we had a uh we had a theater where like uh uh, when people were lined up, we were upstairs in an outdoor mall and there wasn't any room in the theater itself for people to just line up. So like the line would go from the door down the stairs in this outdoor mall and then around in the mall. And so then we got all the people were saying, 
you can't have lines on stairs that was like yeah, a big a, thing yeah, yeah. there was you can't have lines blocking other businesses all that and so like so like i would see stuff where like this is people that i worked with mm-hmm. would like take their fucking time cleaning an auditorium they'd sit down in the auditorium <laughs> while you know and shit like that and i would go and complain about it and people were like why are you complaining why are you bitching about that stuff because because i see what's in front of me and yeah. it fucking sucks um <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so like that's the type of thing i just don't understand why especially in this case i know book of mormon had two shows that day one was at two mm-hmm. so if they got had time to clean and whatever like five o'clock till eight maybe they had to get some props back maybe they had to get something in the set i don't know i don't really i don't know how that all works but i know for a fact they could have gotten that open 30 minutes to an hour yeah, that's crazy. earlier and uh that's it yeah you know that's a that's, that's a, a good one yeah it's a good one it always seems to it always revolves around people with me. <laughs> fucking people fucking yeah people they're exactly. the worst they're the worst yeah there's part of me that wonders if they like the line out the front for as long as possible so people are like what's going on there uh, i should go see that that's a really like popular thing yeah <laughs> i mean in that more i think about it it doesn't yeah. make sense in though, that in so. the case of book of mormon it doesn't maybe in a now even with the movie it just didn't make sense just because everybody knows harry potter's opening that night and and uh and it's not like we're trying to attract more people to come into this fucking thing uh recommends and warns yeah baby totes amaze balls there great it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made aaron you want to go first yeah you have uh, a rich background to to draw upon for your recommends and warns because well, you've seen a lot and you haven't been here in a while so well, that's true yeah well I, f- I tried to go with stuff that's fairly recent but um I think I'll go with Won't You Be My Neighbor for my recommend. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw it again with the family this week because I got the screener because screener season is upon me, which Yay! I love. They start sending me all the you. movies. <laughs> um, come on over, man. Uh, so we watched uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. And man, talk about a movie that's just needed. Like the stuff we're talking about and feeling like Jeremy, you talking about feeling depressed about the country yeah. and how we can't like to see this man who, you know, uh, just was exactly what you thought he was at least by all accounts that are in this movie and just to feel the optimism secondhand through him you know to try to breathe in some of that secondhand optimism and and see the world in that way uh it's just a beautiful story and it's one of the best documentaries i've i've ever seen and there's so much about the um the mr rogers neighborhood that i just didn't know you know mm-hmm. i just didn't i didn't know how it started and that kind of stuff and it's just a shame to me that this got to screen before the captain kangaroo documentary mm-hmm. <laughs> or the electric company why one. why is there such a mr rogers boner all of a sudden though is it like because we need him like, like a, it feels like we need him right like it, it feels like it's well, just yeah but they, they were in production obviously for a while at least yeah. the the tom hanks one is it tom hanks yeah tom hanks yeah is, yeah is playing. i thought they just announced that like last year is it they? like a volcano dante's peak thing or a deep <laughs> impact uh, well these will be separated Armageddon? by a little bit and one's a documentary and one's you know a narrative film so so it'll but, be like man on wire and, yes it'll be much more like that um, correct whatever the joseph gordon levitt the wire the wire the walk i think actually yeah the wire Wire. that was a tv show barrett that uh that some of us have seen and enjoyed yeah, yeah. was actually called the wire but right. yeah, still haven't seen it <laughs> i think we need captain kangaroo i think we need shirt tails Gummy bears, Teletubbies, shirt tails. Did you remember shirt tails? Uh, No, I I remember Ducktales, but I don't remember shirt tails. Shirt tails predates Ducktales. Yeah, it was like a raccoon and a tiger. How about today's special? 
Oh, I remember that. <laughs> anyway, remember that shit. Uh, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yeah, it's it's a great one. Definitely recommend it. When did it, did he die? Fairly recently, or was that a while ago? Um, yeah, it was a while back. I think it was almost ten years ago. Sorry, I'm asking stupid. Questions. No, 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 no. That's a good question. I should know because I just watched the movie again last night, and it goes in because he had stomach cancer. Um, that took him out, but uh, but his wife's uh, alive and still, you know, mm-hmm. kicking and she's in the movie. So, uh, what do you, do you have a warn? Uh, yeah, for my warn, I will go with Happy Time Murders. It's an easy one. Okay. Uh, it's just as bad as everybody's saying. That's it disappointing. Is. It is very disappointing. Uh, I think it primarily comes down to for me is there's a difference between thinking that making something adult means making it raunchy Mm -hmm. and understanding that making something adult means making it complex. You know, Mm -hmm. means, you know, you're allowed to have nuance. You're allowed to have darkness. You're Mm -hmm. allowed to... But this just thinks adult means you can make more sex jokes and and make more drug jokes. I've been seeing that a lot lately. And what's frustrating is the world building here could be kind of cool and interesting. You think of something like Bojack Horseman and kind of the similar idea of, you know, mm-hmm. anthropomorphized animals living with humans and how that would actually work. That understands what an adult version means. It means there's complexity to it, that kind of stuff. But this is just like, now we can say these words and yep. talk about drugs and prostitutes and that's all it is, you know, yeah. but it's puppets. So it's hilarious. Man, right. that trailer was so good. The that first, first trailer. Was. Yeah, uh, you didn't like the first trailer. You don't watch I, trailers. I didn't see the trailers. Oh, uh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the trailer. The, tr- the first trailer suggested it could be really good. If you have some of that stuff, like if that's like the, some of the the comic beats in the midst of something that is actually interesting and says something, then mm-hmm. then maybe. But it's just in in so much of that stuff is just repeated. Um, is it the writing or is it Melissa McCarthy? It's more the writing. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of these lately. I mean, even even just movies, forget about, you know, R-rated puppet movies, uh, just R-rated comedies in general seem to do that a lot where yeah. it's like, let's just put like 10 fucks in here. That'll be awesome. Well, I think Logan was guilty of it a little bit even. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. So, flashing girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the flashing girl yeah. it's a universal sign for flashing now <laughs> um all right so I, i'm going to recommend uh two movies from directors that uh you you may have forgotten that they did these type they, they did these movies uh martin scorsese did a movie called after hours that came out in 1985 i believe and it had griffin dunn in it wow and uh it is uh it's a i guess it's a pseudo comedy it's a really weird type of movie though hmm uh but uh griffin dunn uh basically just going from one thing to another a lot of i wouldn't say vignettes but the, it's a weird connected universe that he's walking through late at night after hours um uh the the first thing is he's he meets uh he meets a girl and that's rosanna arquette and there's a whole bunch of weird shit that happens when he goes and visits her and then he goes to the goes to a bar next and the bartender just happens to be connected to the girl that he met mm. and all this other type of stuff. It's a fun movie. It's I wouldn't say it's a perfect movie by any means and you wouldn't even probably know Scorsese did it if it wasn't for like a couple of scenes in Really? There. This is a recommend. Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh it's a recommend just because it's so different from all the other stuff that they've ever done. I'm going to get to the other person in a minute, but Martin Scorsese did this movie and it's fun. It's very short. It's like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. What is this in between? Last Temptation of Christ uh, and... Uh, so you had uh, The Color of Money was the year after this. Okay. And then before that would have been The King of Comedy, probably. Oh, that's interesting. So 
Those are two. I mean, King of Comedy wasn't like a traditional Scorsese. No, thing although either. it still had the his you know stalkers and crap like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, that was you know De Niro as a stalker. How novel. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, anyway, how many stalker movies has he done? A lot. The Cape Fan, Fear. Cape Fear, uh, that. What else? It, there, we were missing Taxi one. Taxi Driver. Taxi still. Driver. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. He's been analyzed a, this. He analyzed this for sure. <laughs> Silence. Uh, Rocky, yeah, Rocky silence. and Bullwinkle. <laughs> yeah, Rocky you know, and Bullwinkle. They're stalking Jesus all over that silence they are, movie, they man. Are. <laughs> um, uh, the other one would be Talk Radio. Oliver Stone directed that one. Uh, Eric Bogosian plays the DJ in this, or not the DJ, but the like a talk, you know, uh, he's a Howard Stern type of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he basically is Howard Stern. Yeah. This is young Alec Baldwin. Yes. Uh, young, young guy from Mad About You who I've never seen in anything except Mad About You and this movie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah. sorry no it's a uh, it's it's just he's a he's a controversial figure who's like basically telling all the callers that they're they're, they're worthless and they're wrong about everything uh and uh and he starts to build this sort of like uh like unnatural hate towards him like people actually threaten to kill him and everything like that mm. but he's so arrogant that he doesn't think that anybody actually wants to go out and kill him but the whole thing is like one night just like yep. after hours after hours is all in one night it's it, it, there's something i don't know I'm, I'm drawn to these type of movies where stuff that happens just in one night it's all contained in one little area and everything like that uh they're just uh i don't know they're they're just something about the the mood and the atmosphere of those movies um that uh just compel me to watch them so it's one show that this guy does yeah i can't he does have some flashbacks to life with his girlfriend yeah but yeah it's like one night he does like a four-hour show at one point like michael wincott is oh, like yeah. this yeah, like drugged out unrecognizable teenage punk rocker huh. who had called in and this guy says come on down to the studio and once the kid gets there he's starstruck and he's obviously not a threat and he's huh. like hey man i'm on this show <laughs> yeah but yeah it's all one night it does this really cool thing with music and telephone tones in the opening and closing of the movie where it's just kind of a repeated pattern of tones that becomes kind of like a melody. Hmm. It's, I could sing it to you right now, but it probably wouldn't make any sense. But I, I've seen this movie like six times, five, six times. Really? Um, and I think I was drawn to it because I did some radio in college mm -hmm. and um, people did not threaten to kill me. Or <laughs> That's good. The the uh, the the guy who did the soundtrack the uh, the score for this is the same guy who did Wall Street for Oliver Stone. Oh, oh wow! And then like that was it. Those were the two movies, and then he and Oliver Stone moved on. But Those two had a big when falling was this? out. Uh, talk radio was nineteen eighty six. Oh, okay, so right around the same. Yeah, Wall Street came out in eighty seven. Oh, okay, no, wait a minute. Platoon was eighty six. God, I, it's all in the it's all jumbled up in there. Uh, no, Platoon was yeah, it was eighty six. Eighty seven was. Might have been both years. This is 88. Oh, 88. Talk Radio was 88. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he had that, Wall Street, and then Talk Radio all in a row. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, these are movies that you would not fit into their filmographies at all. And that's why I'm recommending them just to, you know, just to see a different side of them and everything. Um, and they're both good. They're not, you know, Talk Radio is probably the better movie of those two. Mm -hmm. uh, After Hours is kind of just a weird, like, uh, almost stream of consciousness type, type yeah. of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are, those are really interesting movies if you like those directors at all. I could also talk about Upgrade, which was a movie that was like sort of a semi hit this summer. It got, uh, really good reviews. Yeah. Um, 
I like it. Uh-huh. I think it's I, I think it's probably going to have a cult status. Uh, I I'm not quite there yet. Is it, it is it like almost Venom? No, uh, it reminded me of um, it reminded me. It's like kind of like a RoboCop almost. Yeah. Um, I'm on the same page as you. I see why people love it, mm-hmm. but there's just enough about it for me that I'm like, I can dig these action scenes in the kind of the there's a there is a raid element to this movie like mm-hmm. there is some of this action that's that's really interesting and shot very you know creatively but but the story itself left me wanting more in a couple places so yeah yeah i, I that's what i that's what i kept coming out of that with was like i love the technology and everything but then they i don't know it's bogged down by a lot of like uh this evil corporation wants to do this while this evil corporate, you know, it's, right. uh, I, I, I wish it wasn't that. That's I couldn't the- go over the fact that they spelled the title U P G R a Y D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like in, uh, idiocracy or like a rapper would. Was yeah. it, was it idiocracy that they spelled it that way? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whereas I don't, I don't know if they did or not, but like, uh, Maya Rudolph is looking for her pimp named up his his name's upgrade oh and uh, and he and he she goes to like the phone book or whatever which is really like a computer screen and she's like she's like who would you like to find and she's like upgrade and like uh like there are 15,000 people named upgrade <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i i would i would put that in a wreck of warn maybe um i i like sci-fi enough that you know it's worth giving it a look my warn's going to be uh, Netflix is insatiable. Ah, yeah. Uh, I saw four episodes of this, and basically, yes, I was drawn to a pretty face, and I wanted to watch it because of the pretty face. This was uh, controversial when it came out. Right? Oh, really? People, yeah. People before it had actually come out, just the trailers had people saying it was uh, fat shaming. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I haven't seen it, so I there, won't speak to there that. is quite a bit of that in all the all in the name of comedy, of course, but um, uh. I, I don't I, there's no likable characters in this whole show even hmm. your main character who you're supposed to be rooting for uh is is awful hmm. um because she and not not awful to the point that she's like rachel mcadams and mean girls or something like that it's just that she, her whole goal after she like once she gets thin is uh like uh she um she's someone who someone like a homeless person tries to like steal something from her and she punches him there's a big court case over it she hires this lawyer guy the lawyer this is it's so it's so much bullshit going on this this lawyer guy likes to enter women into pageants these girls into pageants that's his big thing in life is to enter girls into beauty pageants Mm. and uh in 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 an early scene in the first episode uh uh he um i can't remember exactly what happens but he uh but the uh no the uh, the girl that he's representing doesn't win so the mom gets pissed off and says oh he touched her on her hoo-hoo and so like there's a big like you know like oh well then you know he's he's scorned because of it and even though they come out later and say it didn't happen or whatever Hmm. he's scorned in the community as that person who did that and everything uh yeah are you laughing yet (laughs) uh that's the problem i had with it right it's like there's not much going on with it but uh but this girl the girl the main girl falls in love with this lawyer guy and she wants to break up his marriage oh okay and uh and so like there's just everybody every character in this there's just there's no redeemable qualities and it's not like it i don't know it doesn't feel like it's like just 
doesn't feel like it's writhing around in the muck like it oh i love this or anything it's just like it's just it's, there's no imagination to any hmm. of this i don't feel like so does it I, have does it at least have that beyonce song <laughs> you're so insatiable you must not know about me. you know what that's probably it's probably like episode seven irreplaceable, where I, and I, I, irreplaceable. Yeah. that's probably <laughs> i had to connect the dots for you there didn't i, <laughs> I saw that's, his brain turning yeah that's probably episode seven which i won't be getting to to the left to the left the show is uh <clears throat> so you've given up the cha-cha slide? yeah it's, a, it's one of the few shows i mean i because i'm such a completionist yeah i want to but i haven't gotten back to it since i watched that last episode so yeah. it's just one of those things and you keep thinking oh there may be something turning for these characters they go back and they're just back to their old selves by the end of it so, yeah. yeah awesome so, yeah that's my my reward that's a good one yeah. that's a good one i got a couple of movies that start with c oh um so after i talked about Surfwise, the documentary about the father who pulled his kids out of public school and taught them surfing and may or may not have messed them up for all time uh with his unique parenting style a lot of people told me this sounds a lot like captain fantastic ah uh which is a movie i had heard good things about um from a year or two ago got some awards buzz mm -hmm. i'd never seen it so now i have it's got vigo in it right <laughs> um I, did you not love it it's I'm so gonna, good i recommend this movie okay good fully and it's absolutely charming just for the little idiosyncratic things about his family. Sure. Like when he's naked on the bus and the old people are walking by and he's like, just a penis. All mm. men have them. Mm. <laughs> We're all animals of the earth. <laughs> um, that'll be my excuse now to walk around the house naked, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. no matter what my wife says. Uh, the scene where he calls his kid down to absolutely school his two nephews. Oh, that's an, that's an incredible scene. Yeah. Is awesome. Now, when the movie takes a turn, and he has that moment of realization that he may actually be a danger to his kids. Right. It gets me. Yeah. But then I feel like it cheats on its ending mm. because he realizes it. He leaves the kids with the, the grandparents, I think, yeah. or the parents of his dead wife. Uh, you're better off with these people than me. I'm a danger to you. I almost got you killed. But then the movie ends with them. He, like they break out. They run away from that home. Mm -hmm. They hook back up with the dad. Let's go dig mom's body up out of the ground and and cremate her like she wanted. Ah. And they cremate her on this hillside and they're dancing around and they start singing. What is I don't that remember. Song? It's some hippie song and they start singing in harmonies. <laughs> and I'm just like, no. Mm. See, that, no. Worked for, that worked for me. It didn't work for me because it felt like. I felt like it wanted to have its cake and eat it too in terms of like breaking him down and letting him see the actual dangers in what he did. But it's all kumbaya at the end. Well, it's kind of kumbaya at the end. It gives them the opportunity to understand the balance of kind of what they've had to go through, right? Like that's how I interpreted it was, yes, there, there are some things he can't give them because of his independent streak, but there's also a beauty there so that they can find in their own life that balance. I'm pretty sure all those kids are fucked. <laughs> just like be. the kids in Could the surfing be. documentary fair, fair enough i think um, it may have colored your opinion right <laughs> well that's the problem is that i think if i hadn't seen the surfing documentary i might not have this opinion because that documentary ends it tries to have like they get back together and have some kind of reunion at the end where they hug as they're but i'm sure it went disaster after that and the cameras <laughs> turned off uh because it goes dark pretty yeah. hard as i think it would 
And so when I'm watching Captain Fantastic, I'm like, this is pretty funny. This is pretty charming. It's going to go south. And then it kind of does, but then it kind of pulls it back. I just wish it would have gone a little further. Hmm. Um, but I, it's a recommend. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, Did it's very well nope. made. Very well. Yeah, I got to check that out. Good performance by Vigo. Yeah, um, I, have, I have the Blu-ray in the collection. And after this, and Eastern Promises, clearly the man has no problem showing his dick. Mm-mm. Oh, oh, there you go. Nope. Um, he got nominated for an Oscar, and I think it was at the expense of somebody uh, that was like really beloved. Do you remember this? I do, but I, I can't remember I'll who it to, was I'll that got that shot. Mm. It might have been another Paul Giamatti thing. Mm, maybe so, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I recommend. Now, for my warn, a movie I'm ashamed I even watched. Couples Retreat. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is this the first time you've seen it? I have caught scenes. And the only reason I watched it was because I had never watched it. Uh-huh. And I'm, I like John Favreau. I like uh. Vince Vaughn. I like Jason Bateman. I like Kristen Bell. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, there's going to there's gonna be something in here. Yeah. There's nothing. No, this movie is wrong there's on not all a different single, ways. Not a single gag lands. Not no. one of them. Not a single joke, not a single psych gag. Nope. They're all flat. It really does make you wonder what they saw. I don't understand what a lot of these people see in scripts like this. Because a lot of these people are in movies like this. Yes. Like lots of them. And I'm like, what are they reading that said, I, oh, well, you never know. I mean, it could be funny when we come out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, this may be another like vacation movie that they decided. Oh my god! Because they're at like the Maldives or something like that, right? Or or oh, some, they go to like some Caribbean Caribbean resort. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know who directed this, by the way? Peter Billingsley. Yeah, yeah. The star Christmas Christmas story. story? Christmas story. He's directed five things. Yeah, this he's is one of them. He and uh, Vince Vaughn what? are buddies. Yeah, I think he's Favreau's buddy too. I guess that makes sense. The yeah, Favreau. And, but yeah, nobody's everybody's bitter and angry. Uh, Did you watch the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. What about um, that uh, that uh, massage scene was maybe like the ickiest thing that I've seen. In and a it's while. not what's what's crazy is it's not. And we talked about Lolita on the show. It's <laughs> so <laughs> far from funny. No, you wonder. It feels like Adam Sandler got his friends together for a Caribbean vacation. Only he's not in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are several moments where it felt like they thought Favreau and Vaughn together could just riff. And carry a scene. I swear the beginning scene in Jason Bateman's kitchen, or it's Vince Vaughn's kitchen. I swear the script must say Vince Vaughn and Jason Bateman riff about ball cancer for three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's unfunny. And I, I love Jason Bateman. I know not all of his movies are going to be good, but there's usually something about him that I can enjoy. And yeah. even here, he just has, he has nothing. No. They're all nothing. No. Stay it's not, far it's not away. Funny. Very far away. Don't even be tempted by the the clear blue crystal waters. Yeah, and the bikini bodies. Mm-hmm. Don't do <laughs> the it. Bikini bodies. Stay That's away. Right. Bateman in a bikini is. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Talk about a Lolita. <laughs> <laughs> More like a Bolita. That's right. Oh, nice. We actually, I didn't realize that we hadn't talked about this on the podcast yet. Chris and I went to see Black Klansman mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago actually, and um. Obviously, I'd heard great things about it, and you know, I was excited to see it. Um, didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I intentionally avoided like the backstory because it's based on a true story, or as Spike Lee tells you at the beginning, this shit's for real, for real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's really interesting. But I was not prepared for how this movie would affect me and how aspects of of it are just brilliant. Um, it, it hit me hard, especially at the end. I think it hit a lot of people hard at the end. Well, yeah. Um, but it hit me hard, like, all the way through, too. Mm. The performances here, John David Washington, who's Denzel's son, 
is absolutely crushing it as the the it's the story of a black cop that infiltrates the the KKK pretending to be a white cop. That white cop played in person by Adam Driver who is Maybe my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, he's weird so thing. good. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to say about you know a predominantly black class, yeah. cast and all that stuff. But Driver is, by the way, one of my favorite actors to watch. Mm-hmm. I think he can do anything at this point. After seeing him in Logan Lucky and then this, and you know, obviously, I love him in Star Wars. Um, he's he's just phenomenal and versatile. But the way that he casually lies by necessity, yeah, in, in this uh, this playing this character is just brilliant. So like good. it's 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 brilliant of the character to to act how he acts in these situations when he's gone to clan meetings and stuff like that and they catch him in a lie and he's got to he's got to you know uh, just brush it off basically. So it's a talent from driver and it's a talent from the character itself. And uh he's got one guy that's really just after him about, you know, making sure he's pure heritage and stuff like that and he finds ways out of the situation every time. Uh, but then there's Laura Harrier, who was the girlfriend in, uh, or the love interest in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, no, not, not according to Peter Parker. Totally boyfriend and girlfriend <laughs> yeah. after one day. My girlfriend's dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, she's, she's fantastic. I mean, mm. she was, I thought she was fine in Spider-Man Homecoming, but she shows a whole different level mm-hmm. uh, in this. And everybody else, there's a great cameo by Alec Baldwin at the beginning of this that will set a tone mm-hmm. that this this is irreverent it's it's at its heart probably a comedy but it's at its core maybe a, a tragedy well that's the whole thing about the movie that i came away going was like i i don't know how spike lee pulled this magic trick off i, I honestly don't because the movie is just as harrowing and damaging and uh, it's just painful and awful and yet it's that kind of awful you need to see mm-hmm. you know and at and the same time, time laugh. and at the same time it is hilarious as all get yeah. out. I don't know how you do both those things in the same movie and not feel like you're on a roller coaster mm-hmm. of tone shift. You have to have but, his perspective. I oh think. my goodness. So, it's it's that movie should not work as well as it does mm. and somehow it does. And and I know there's discussion as to why there's stuff like Charlottesville showing up at the end of this movie and everything, but if you look at how this movie like gets into gets its plot started is that uh, once they once they're talking about infiltrating the KKK and everything, there's this laughed off like, oh, what are they even a thing anymore? They don't they don't they're not they don't even really exist anymore, do they? Well, that's something that they thought had happened back in like 1929 or whatever, and suddenly they're coming back up in the 70s. That's why they show that stuff at the end because it's you still say, oh ha ha ha, whatever KKK, they have no power, blah blah blah. Then you see what happens. They start throwing in catchphrases like "America First and mm. things like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think they even say "Make America oh, Great yeah, Again." There's a magaline, and and it's it's Spike Lee, and and usually I don't like this, uh, the didactic kind of thing where mm-hmm. you know it's a nape of the neck movie where you, the director basically just grabs you and says look at this mm-hmm. you know watch this and this is what i'm talking about there's no there's no pretense to this this is my message this is what i'm saying and i'm going to say it hardcore yeah and yeah. and usually that's a little off-putting to me because 
you know, like I, I like something with a little more nuance. Uh, I want the director to trust me that I can understand what they're saying without having to shove my nose in it. But if, again, for some reason, it kind of works with this Absolutely. movie. I think it's the the kind of movie it wants to be and the kind of movie it should be. Mm-hmm. What other movie or whatever other filmmaker can pull off that cameo by Harry Belafonte? Uh, oh, right. In that, in that meeting where he's telling that story, it's intercut with the images from the KKK meeting of him getting accepted into the organization and stuff like that. And meanwhile, Harry Belafonte is telling this beautifully rich old voice. And I can't remember what character he's playing. Not character, but real life person he's playing. Yeah, he is uh, playing Jerome Turner. Yeah, okay. Um, and he's telling this harrowing tale, uh, just almost emotionless, mm-hmm. um, just matter of factly communicating this stuff. And uh, the the dichotomy in between those those two uh, groups, of course, is heavy-handed, but again, it does work. I understand why Topher Grace had to go into a, a whole other brain mm-hmm. space to get out of this character because he embodies him. He's great mm-hmm. in this movie, yeah. Um, as a despicable character, which you know, it's hard to pull off, but he's charismatic. And he exactly is, the casual nature of the slurs that he's mm-hmm. dropping is is almost like like a like a radio preacher. And in fact, he has a radio show where he basically does just that. Uh, but then there's a, the last thing is there's a couple of like Spike Lee isms that like the whole this shit's for real, for real, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And there's there's a, a rally in which a guy speaks that um, there's a montage of all the different faces being cut into it. Mm-hmm. The final shot is of them just like motionlessly moving down a hall. And again, sometimes it gets annoying, but mm-hmm. in this movie, it works. It yep. works perfect. This is a huge recommend. Yeah. I would totally recommend. All righty, that was strong. Not not without controversy. Um, I, his name just slipped my mind. Uh, sorry to bother. Yeah, Boots. Boots Riley. Boots Riley talking about painting the police as too positive in this movie. And yeah, I, I mean, I hate to speak his truth. Like that's not up to me. I'm just that's kind of the the gist I got from what I understood he was saying. And it's so a, there's it's because the thing. cops infiltrated black groups as much as they infiltrated white groups. Mm-hmm. Is the, is the and they they do infiltrate uh, Black Panther rally in this. Uh, but then it's it, there's nothing else after that. I guess I guess there's more that we I mean, haven't explored. He's telling his story, right? You know, and I understand hey, you get your opinion, whatever. This is his story. This is the way he wants. He threw in some flourishes. He threw in like a big suspenseful thing at the end that apparently never happened. Mm-hmm. But you know what? D- tell your story, man. If you don't like it, that's that's cool. Yeah. You can point this stuff out, I guess. But is it really necessary? Yeah. Um. But, you know, that's his mm. thing. I, to his credit, I don't think Spike Lee responded to it that No, that I don't much, think so. He did, he did. Well, he didn't respond to it. Um. Somebody asked him about it, and he he gave the kind of diplomatic answer you would expect you know, Spike Lee in his late 50s or early 60s to give. Mm. I'm not going to tell him he can't say what he wants to say, and everybody experiences art in different ways. It was that kind of a thing. Okay. Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm totally with you on the one-two punch of uh, Logan Lucky in this, and, like, Adam Driver is next-level actor for me now. He's he's so good. Still need to see that Jim Jarmusch movie he was in. Uh, Oh, Lovers Left Alive? He's like a bus driver or something. No, yeah, it's the one that just came out No, I know the one you're talking about. Um, He's great in it. I didn't really enjoy the movie that Mm. much. Do you like Jim Jarmusch, though? No. Yeah. No. Uh, if you like Jim Jarmusch, you like Jim Jarmusch movies. If you don't like him, then... Do you have a warn? I do have a warn. Um... I want to talk just a little bit about Rampage because it leads into another point. Uh, we did a sins video for Rampage, mm-hmm. and it's it's hot garbage. 
it's just it's just throwing shit at the wall both the movie and the sims video <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i mean the rock the rock is is doing the rock stuff you can tell he's in san andreas mode or skyscraper mode or whatever it is but it's like yes he's likable but try harder man when he tried harder with jumanji he did really well like try something try try something and he's he's not in rampage he's phoning it in and yeah it's supposed to be a dumb monster movie and stuff like that but just like jumanji welcome to the jungle that's a stupid premise but they made it good i think what's frustrating for me to interrupt you and totally hijack your point Bring it. um about the rock is that I, when i see him on social media and even the dust up with vin diesel about uh the last fast and furious movie he's always talking about hard work <laughs> and work ethic yep but that that only extends to the physical for him showing up on set on time making sure your body looks the way it's supposed to and having your lines learned yep but he's not working very hard and picking these movies man i mean i yeah i i, I pointed that out in the sins video the the one at the end where he's he's firing a gun at this fucking thing that that can't be killed and he's like charge yeah. run yeah and it's just it's come on man you're I not mean, fooling anybody everything about it i i wrote the scene in that in that sins video that says this might be the stupidest movie i've ever <laughs> seen in my life because that is literally what i was feeling at that moment in time it is offensively aggressively dumb i guess it's what's frustrating to me is that he can pick good projects i think even in the fast and furious movies he's choosing well to choose those roles they suit what he can do on screen and his charisma and his body type but we talked recently about that snitch movie where he yeah. like has to go and try and get the bad guys in trouble on mm -hmm. his own because Sigourney Weaver won't do it anymore. I think it was Sigourney Weaver. I don't remember. Yeah, well, we, it was good. <laughs> uh huh. Well, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle is good. I know. Are you sure he can pick good movies, or is it possible he just picks every movie and so it's bound to be some? Well, of them and that's will be part good, of it. Or? He's got a guy who's like his production partner. I can't think of the guy's name. Oh, the guy that he bought the truck for just recently. No, that was a stunt. No, double. That was a stunt yeah, double. Yeah. But this, I saw an interview with this guy saying we have a whole plan for a rock cinematic universe. <laughs> where we could eventually do a movie where all the characters are the characters The Rock has played in all of his movies, interacting with each other. And I was well, like, it's a problem for me that you are his producing partner. It, wouldn't that just be multiplicity? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was probably joking, I hope. Never know. But yeah, you may have a point. Maybe he picks everything... And every now and then, one of them turns out good through no fault of his own. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think he's. I like. I love him more than you guys do. I. I. I go to bat for uh, San Andreas. I think San Andreas is a lot of fun. All right, um, podcast is over. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Did you see Skyscraper? I, I did see Sky. I went to bat for Skyscraper. You went to uh, bat for that. I went to bat for Rampage. So <laughs> like, they there's like, something about. On. No, no, no. There's nah. something about. There's. Listen, I never turn off my brain. Like, I hate that saying. Like, just turn off your brain and enjoy a movie. Uh -huh. However, there is something to be said for being in, letting the movie be the movie it wants to be. And I just, I think those movies are the movies they want to be. Uh, you know, uh, a very similar movie that he's not in. It's so hard to know. I think he feels like he's in everything. Uh, which is also a movie I know you guys hate, which is Kong Skull Island is another movie like that where I'm just like, this movie is the movie it wants to be. And there's some fun to be had if you can get into the same like brain space. I guess I just, movie, I just hate those movies. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's a totally valid opinion. It's probably the right opinion. I just, it, it's also an interesting thing where I, I very vehemently when I became an official movie critic was like, I am not giving up 
this idea that I can have fun and go see a movie. It doesn't have to be Citizen Kane for me to have an enjoyable time. And that's when I walk out of a movie, I go, okay, did I enjoy myself? If so, cool. Movie did something, you Mm -hmm. know? So that's, you know, I just, I try to be as analytical as I can be. And at the same time, still be just a movie lover. My counterpoint to a movie being what it wants to be. And we give it the benefit of the doubt of it is something like the Brown Bunny. Like mm-hmm. it, it, if the brown money is exactly what it meant to be and it's boring as fuck and mm-hmm. I don't know how anybody could like it. But uh, if we're going to if we're going to base like I, I, I think I think that's an extreme example. Sure. So, and there's a balance somewhere. Yeah, in there. Yeah. So it's not it's not like, you know, I just think that a lot of times when they are striving to be just this amount, they are depriving us of something that could be a lot better that i totally agree with yeah that i I think is a very valid point rampage is not a great movie but maybe it could have been a really good one you know um that i totally agree with that point and when i say i go to bat for i mean c plus b minus you know have you guys seen ballers no tv show like an episode i've seen every episode yes really yes i can't go to bat for that show that's just entourage with sports yeah it's like i feel like Again, who am I to say? He can do whatever he wants. He's earned this popularity and fame, but it, it does kind of feel like he just wants to be a star rather than a star known for... Well, you talk about work ethic. He, he I think he really sees work ethic as doing a lot of Production. work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think that's even a valid perspective because yeah. I, I think there are plenty of people who don't. Johnny Depp apparently had people reading his lines into an earpiece so mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have to memorize his lines. And that's not a very good work ethic and probably results in pirates movies that suck balls. <laughs> but that's not, we're talking about art. We're not talking about literally like running a grocery store mm-hmm. or building a building. We're talking right. about art. And maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. I thought for a while there he was just, he he was having trouble picking, but maybe that's not it. Maybe well, he just picks everything. I so think he does pick everything. The, the reason that I bring this up is that he was announced uh, that he was going to star in this King Kamehameha movie about the Hawaiian uh, king that that united or basically saved Hawaii uh, in some way. I'm not fully versed on his backstory. Kind of makes it sound like it's like a Braveheart type of story. And everybody's like, well, you know, he's he's got uh, Polynesian roots and things like that. So he's going to be perfect for this role. This is going to be the role that was made for The Rock and uh, or for Dwayne Johnson. And he's going to nail it. And he's yeah, he's totally going to knock this out of the part. It was tailor made for him. I don't think he has the chops. No. To do a William Wallace King Kamehameha type of no, thing. No, it was called Scorpion King. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I was about to say Scorpion King was made for him. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and you realize he had to like regroup at, like for 10 years after Scorpion King before he could be a movie star. <laughs> right. Again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he just does I, and more power to him. I'd probably do the same thing. I no, guess. sure. I'm just saying just, like pump the brake. That was universal. Like, this is so perfect. And it may be. But I'm like. What, what is your evidence? Well, man? So like, what you, point to something that shows me. This just becomes a danger of these movies just looking all the same, too. Because remember when Rampage trailers were hitting, Jumanji was out. Yeah. And it was like, well, is this, this doesn't even seem different. There's, there's no difference between this. Well, and, and now he's doing Jungle Cruise with Emily Blunt, and all the on set pictures there look like it's out of Jumanji. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and he, he already did that Journey to the Center of the yeah. Earth thing that's oh, another one. I forgot one. about that. You know, it's the same sort of deal. He keeps finding himself in jungles yeah, yeah, having yeah. adventures. <laughs> well, let's, let's be honest, though. I mean, like, when you're somebody with that kind of physical specimen, like, 
Oh, your roles are kind of limited, right? Like, I well, mean, that's why I made that joke in the Rampage video that I love how they have to keep writing like a Navy SEAL background right. for yeah. him because yeah. he can't play a normal He's a dude. primatologist. Yeah. He looks like a... But also, he used to be in the NFL or yeah. some shit. They've always got to explain away why he looks like such a specimen. Poor guy even gets in an animated film and is still the beefy guy, you know, in but Moana. See, I would so. argue Moana, Fast and Furious, and Welcome to the Jungle are the movies he's been best used in. Uh, in terms of kind of blending the comedy with the action and playing up to that body type because yeah he's not he's never going to play mark whitaker in the informant what was the michael bay movie um painting painting game yeah was it painting game? Yeah. yeah 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 i, I so haven't seen it but i've heard that's pretty good well, he, so he ha- i mean like he has these moments where he does try to do something a little bit different i think snitch is one too but yeah for the most part i mean southland tales even though yeah, that yeah, movie's yeah. awful <laughs> Um, That's when he had hair. He still hasn't played Game yeah. Maui, yeah, but so. uh, <laughs> Game Maui, Game Maui. <laughs> um, again, probably no time for questions. <laughs> uh, we can just go on and on this motherfucking podcast. That's right. Um, if you liked what you heard, or even disliked what you heard, go to Sincast presented by Simmons, uh, or on Facebook, or go on Twitter, or go on SoundCloud, go to Reddit. There are a lot of places that you can comment about this episode. Yeah, baby. Love, uh, hey, by the way, thank you for all the love for mm-hmm. the Andy Weir interview. Yeah, that warms so my heart because I thought it was awesome. Yeah, definitely. it was an awesome experience, and it. I think I enjoyed listening to it. And it sounds like you guys did too, and really, really appreciate you guys uh, letting us know that. Yeah. Oh, well, it was so cool how much he vibed with you guys. Like you could, you could tell you were on the same wa- wavelength, and that really allowed for the interview to go to some really interesting, awesome. fun mm-hmm. places. So yeah. that was great work, guys. Seriously, awesome. yeah. that was good yeah. stuff. Yeah. That was awesome. We um, rule. We rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott, Barrett Shear, and Aaron Dicer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. That's definitely getting cut. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny. Uh, yeah, to make some editorial decisions. That's right. <laughs> yes, there. The, yeah, we've. I mean, we've had. Uh, I'd fuck the whole cast. <laughs> There's some words you can't combine. You have an affliction. <laughs> cans now. Cans. Yes, cans is the, no baby. It's just only cans. cans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is Keanu a good actor? He's not a no, good actor. No. It depends on how you define it. There's been so many fucking think pieces about how he's underrated. No, he's not. He's a good performer when you put him in the right movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But if you if you put him, he's not anybody who can. He's got all the tools in the shed or anything like (laughs) that. You know what I mean? No. He's he's. You got to put him in as Keanu. (laughs) That's why in South Park where they have that. That episode about the PSP or whatever, they, they, they have to get their own Keanu Reeves to, 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 to win, to beat, to, to, to defeat evil. Cause that's what he is. That's who he comes in. Like there's, like you, you watch him in Much Ado About Nothing. And you're like, fucking Keanu. Jesus Christ. That performance is embarrassing. Oh, so bad. How did Kenneth Branagh say, I guess I'm all right with this? Oh, well, yeah, exactly.
Never mind. Yeah, he was he was red hot. That was the thing. He put him in there, and maybe you get your move people to see your movie. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I love that movie, man. I do too. Yeah. Oh, Everything except for some... Canoe. Yeah, Canoe. but that's the thing. I I love I love him. I love I love everything about him except the fact that you put him in the right. <laughs> he, he's been in 70, 80 percent of the movies he's in. He shouldn't be in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't you feel like? I mean, that, go ahead. I was just gonna say the same's true about a lot of actors, though, right? Like, I mean, you could say the same thing even like Kevin Costner. You know, yep. somebody. It's got to be a Costner. Ford. I don't think. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a Kevin Costner performance and went, "Oh my God, he sucks so bad all the time." Yeah, well, maybe that's because he just stay in his lane. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's, like, that's that's. I think they cast him pretty well, and even if it's in a shitty Hood. movie, yeah, except for <laughs> well, there Robin you go. Hood. That's the example. Right, but he wasn't. He wasn't necessarily bad. His accent was bad, but he wasn't necessarily like, bad. He's in not that. in like a hundred Robin Hoods. Keanu Reeves isn't in a hundred Robin Hoods where you're like, what the fuck was they, were they thinking? Yeah. No. I, Period I, dramas yeah. and shit. No, like that. I really like Keanu Reeves. It's just that the, they just cast him wrong so many times. And then when they cast him right, I think this is where we have the problem is that when they cast him right, we're so thankful. It's so good that John Wick and John Wick two <laughs> become honestly, I swear to God, most people, Talk about those movies like I think of The Raid and yeah. The Raid mm-hmm. 2. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the John Wick movies, while enjoyable, are anywhere near no. the same level. No. But it's because we love Keanu. Because the U.S. is turning into a Because there's like Starbuck. a dozen different people who have pictures of him on the subway giving up his seat for a woman. Because yeah. he's a nice guy. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he spent most of his Matrix sequel millions buying shit for the crew. Yeah. Like, he's an awesome dude. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to tear him down. Yeah. But yeah. that just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about your crime. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, man. Like it, it, man. I swore I want when I watched Speed back in 1994. I thought I was the only one who thought that can thing was funny. And then finally, like somebody else out of the blue said it, and I was like, "Holy shit, we can have a friendship based on this." <laughs> It's, it consists solely of you guys saying cans. <laughs> yeah, to each other. Exactly. There's no babies, hey, only cans. 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 <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Oh, that's our town. God damn it. I clicked on the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. On what's, Golden What's R-Town. weird is I. I understand, you know, them getting out of photography because of the physical pictures not being a thing anymore, but uh going into laptops and then going well we should probably do it real shitty <laughs> <laughs> listen guys if we're gonna do this yeah i want a good and shitty cheap out. <laughs> right it's like when homer gets the the half-ass guide to foundation repair <laughs> oh yeah 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 anyway <clears throat> i don't know hi I i'm troy mcclure yeah. you might remember me from <laughs> such do-it-yourself videos uh... would you mind turning the ac down a little bit you mean temperature down Yes. You can do that from your phone? I can. Do you have a nest? You live in the future. That's awesome. I've got to nest. Uh, The air conditioning is not on. Oh, okay. But I will turn it up just in case so that it doesn't come on. But it's it currently. No, you mean, no, you no, mean no. the temperature down. I'm, to, I'm sorry. That's why I tried to down. clarify. Oh, you want it? Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's hot. It's warm. So it's here. a little game. <laughs> Us cardiac kids. We need pants because on. you said let's stop, and you were, and it sounded like the air conditioning oh, was no, fucking no, no. with yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, I say that wrong, and I say that wrong because I think I used to say it the way that my wife and I say it differently. Yeah, and she says if she says turn it down, it means make it colder. Yeah, and I've started. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's on now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm getting a buzz every time I talk. Are you hearing that? Did you hear that? 
Mm-hmm. I hear that. It sounds like a phone. Is it mine? I don't think. I don't think my vibra- uh, my vibrator. Yeah, it, sorry, it was think- my phone and it was ringing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It was on vibrate you sitting heard on it, but you didn't feel it. <laughs> it's not in my pocket. Oh, it's sitting over okay. here on this table. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure that your cat licked my straw, but I kind of think he did. Oh, yeah? Which is why I kind of washed it. Oh, that's fine. And then dried it off. But I still feel weird drinking it. Yeah. So if like, I start foaming at the mouth before the podcasting is over. We'll take you to a hospital. You guys tell the doctor what happened. <laughs> and, and Just you know, so you know, I think that's happened to me several times and I've never foamed at the mouth. That's so. excellent. Excellent news. And then later they made wards of Dogtown. They did. They did. Which is nothing in common with either of the things we just discussed. And then no. they also made Digstown. They did. Is... <laughs> and the town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i want to see how far we can go. i know we could have probably gone for quite some time there 